What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This week, Sean and I put together a Monday rundown and a Wednesday NFL all into one. We started off talking Yankees and Mets. Following that, we talked college football. And then, of course, we went up and down last week's NFL, and we gave our picks for this week. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports and enjoy the pod. Doing all right, man. Just uh, surviving. You know how it is. Uh, I, I think I'm trying to think. I yeah, I lost money. Uh, yeah, I lost a little bit of money this weekend. I made up for it with MLB during the week, and it's just like it's it's fucking deja vu. It's it's Sunday. Me saying, oh, thank God it rained, but me saying, why didn't I just go play fucking golf? Because this is atrocious. My fantasy team, every single player still thought it was preseason. My bets aren't hitting. And then it's literally deja vu because I'm watching the Sunday night game and I shut it off in the third quarter and and go to bed after I take a shower because it's like, what the fuck is the point of of losing an hour of sleep to watch the rest of this game? Gotta love it. Yeah, seriously. I mean, there were some fun games this weekend and there were some really rough ones. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I started my day with having to take my younger cousin to um, his baseball game in the rain, um, and that was fucking atrocious because he's a freshman in high school. He's like 6'2". He's a grown fucking man, but he was playing kids that looked like they were in third grade. So needless to say, thank God that game was a mercy rule, um, and we got the hell out of there. Uh, But, yeah, and – uh, just the Jets. I mean, you know, I think uh, I think post maybe a day or two after what was the last pod we did on Thursday? Thursday, Thursday yeah. yeah. I want to say maybe the day after or the day following that, uh, Dwayne Brown goes on the IR for four weeks. The guy we signed to replace Mackay Becton. That's a great start. And then you know, keep collecting that check, Flacco. Good for you, buddy. Well, they're letting him throw the ball fucking 59 times, so he's at least earning it for any uh, any shoulder replacement he might need. But we'll get into the NFL in a little bit. But uh, we're here, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of make this our one pod of the week, and and just kind of lump everything together. And and Tom, I guess we'll start with the rundown portion before recapping Week One and making Week Two picks. And you know, I gotta tell you, after that loss Thursday night and that absolutely despicable performance on Derek Jeter's night <laughs> on Friday with Aaron Hicks getting pulled and not going after a ball that he dropped. You're thinking, here we go. The, uh, the lead's down at two and Tampa's going to just either sweep us out here or uh, maybe we'll salvage one game. And I don't know what the fuck happened, but the next two games were over literally in the first inning. The Yankees just ambushed Corey Kluber on Saturday and then did the same to Patino on Sunday. And those were giant wins. And then they take the game in Fenway last night. They're up tonight. And it feels like it's a completely different story than it was six days ago. It, it feels amazing just to shut, especially the Red Sox fans up. Um, 
and the Mets fans too. And you know, I, I root for the Mets, but I don't root for the Mets fans because they are just absolutely obnoxious. And we're going to talk about them in a minute. Um, but we, Sean, we need to temper. We need to temper. Oh, I'm tempering, man. I'm just acknowledging that, you know, the well, writing was on the wall, that this was, yeah. was going to be a disaster. Well, honestly, I mean, we've been saying it all year. This is what happens when other people outside of Aaron Judge, who has been magical this year, decide to actually do what they're being paid for. Yeah, I mean, you, you see it instantly, right? Saturday, Donaldson comes back and stands in the lineup, and they both contribute to that first inning where they literally had seven straight hits to lead off the game. Tyon was great. And then the next day there, there was no letting up and they, they just poured on runs and you're thinking, yeah, finally judge has a little help. Torres has now just, I don't know what the hell he ate over the last week, but he went from a player who looked like, you know, his Yankee tenure was just evaporating before our eyes to now basically carrying this team and giving judge a little bit of a break. Yeah, I might have to sprint to that storage unit and pull out the rookie card and throw it up on eBay today because I think this is the best he's going to look. I, I still think the jury's very much out depending on the market, whether or not he's a Yankee next year. But he's making a case for himself to stay. And I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like a, an asshole Yankees fan here or whatever, but like this is what this is what should be fucking happening. I, I didn't I don't expect them to have a historic run like they did at the beginning of the season, but I expect them to beat teams that they're better than. So thank you for doing your job. Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's kind of what we've been asking for, right? I mean, listen, this is not the Tampa team of the last couple of years. The the Blue Jays have had their own issues and you know, it's not like the Yankees have watch this lead go away because Tampa Bay is playing like at an all-time level. Like, no, the Yankees have been playing at all-time shit level. Yeah, so, they yeah, lost go that out and they for didn't, sure. The Rays didn't really win it. Not at all. And, and you see, you know, heading in that, that game Saturday was, all right, you're facing Corey Kluber, who I know has pitched well against the Yankees this year, but we saw Kluber throw some clunkers last year, and there's no reason why. This is not 2017 Corey Kluber. Go out and knock him around. And that's exactly what they did. And Patino has been struggling despite having really good stuff. And the Yankees didn't give him a break on Sunday. And then yesterday, listen, Garrett Cole, it's a Fenway problem, man. I, this guy's been on a roll lately. And it's just every time he takes the mound of that ballpark, you worry of, of what's going to happen. And he tried to give that game away, but Aaron Judge wouldn't let him. Yeah, now Aaron Judge jumped in front of the moving car there. And I appreciate him for doing that. You know, Cole, it, it's... He's. We got to see it in the playoffs. You've already said it. I'm not going to say anything else. We got to see it in the playoffs. I don't care about the regular season. Kind of like Tanaka. We we just get to the playoffs and then do what we pay you for, please. Absolutely. Um, you know, like to me is my comp for Garrett Cole is just in terms of Yankee years, Roger Clemens. Mm-hmm. You know, you he's got gonna, him here to win. Yeah, and and you know, based off his the difference. Past, between him and Roger Clemens is he had a team behind him that was very much capable and proven of winning. I I don't, the jury's very much still out on this Yankees team. Oh, for sure. And I think if we were coming off of a couple championships, then yeah, you're going to look at him a little bit differently. And there's been frustration since he came over that he's not pitching to, you know, the kind of level that you expected him to. And I still think Yankee fans have, unbelievably unrealistic expectations sometimes but they took away the yeah, goo man. that's what the red sox fans like to say they took away the goo 
the sticky stuff. <laughs> like, and we knew kind of that was the deal, right? And everybody else in the league was dealing with it, but Cole was kind of the poster child, thanks to Josh Donaldson. And listen, he, I still trust him a lot. There's not a lot of pitchers in the league that I would rather have, but he he gives up a lot of long balls. He has his frustrating starts, even when he racks up strikeouts like he did last night. But he's going to be judged by what he does in the playoffs. We've talked about it. As you said, we're not going to dive back into that. I don't care whether he throws three straight shutouts in August or gives up, you know, 10 runs in a game in August or September. Like, talk to me in October. That's what's going to matter. No doubt. Uh, I'm j- I just want to do a little exercise with you. I'm going to read you their, their remaining schedule. Uh, three, three against Milwaukee, who are fading. Two against Pittsburgh. I mean, I haven't checked their records, but they got to be one of. They're probably the worst team in baseball. Then four against the Sox. Then you got three against Toronto. Three against the spicy, frisky Baltimore Orioles. And then you finish it off with a four-game set against uh, Texas, October fifth, the last game of the season in um, Arlington. How are we feeling? Are we thinking they're going to win the division? I know. I think I'm more. Sometimes I, except for last year, you seem to be the pessimist. I think this year and most years, I'm more of a pessimist. Last week, I said that they were going to take the wild card. How do we feel now? This is a very fluid situation. It's a very fluid situation. I feel like they've got the division. You know, a couple reasons. One, I don't think either Toronto or Tampa is particularly great. And the good thing is, is that they're both playing each other and kind of trading wins. So that's done really good for the Yankee standings. Also, also, too, is you know the Yankees are getting a lot of reinforcements back. We've already seen Stanton and Donaldson back. Uh, we're getting Chapman back. We're getting, uh, obviously, Harrison Bader is coming back. Loisaga looks like he's been the Loisaga of the last year or two. So there's Severino on the horizon. Herman's pitched well. So there's reason for optimism. And the schedule that you just mentioned, I don't think that we're going to see the Yankees put together a stretch like we did there kind of like end of July through end of August where they're just losing every night. No, what do you think? I, I, I am scared of that. The 23rd or the 22nd, 23rd is my birthday, by the way, but the 23rd with the Red Sox through October 2nd, they're playing all AL East teams. Um, you know, and I know the Red Sox suck, but they they make me nervous regardless. Thank God it's not at Fenway. And then you got Toronto and Baltimore. Listen, if we can get through that, like two games over 500 in that stretch, that's like the floor for me. I'm happy. Yeah, at this point, you just need to avoid a really bad slide of losing like seven out of 10 yep. or eight out of 11. And I just don't see that happening. I mean, I could be wrong, but, you know, this is a team that lost to the A's and Angels and, and all that. But I just don't think this team's that bad. And, and that schedule is very advantageous for them to hold on. Absolutely. You want to segue into the other team as we both think the Yankees are going to take the division and that's pretty much that? Yeah, I think we have to. Let's talk about your New York Mets. They're on the verge of being swept by the Chicago Cubs. Man. I was about to say it's the bottom of the eighth, and the Cubs are up 6-2. to two. The Cubs are in, like, third or fourth place, whatever, in their division. Not a good team, and they sold everybody but Ian Happ uh, at the trade deadline. Um, I mean, I watched the game yesterday because I had a date Jacob DeGrom strikeout bet in. Um, the guy is incredible. Um but aside from that, I mean, this team just literally forgot. Uh, they had a good series against the Marlins, but they just 
whenever it seems like whenever they they they've got a lot of games Sean I'm looking at their schedule here where it's like 10 to 3 and whatever but whenever it's like a close game they their their assholes get very tight just to put it <laughs> put it bluntly there they can't score runs I mean yesterday the Grom goes out there and yeah there was a missed call that probably led to two runs but to to lose the game four to one and to be down in the eighth inning three to nothing, that's that's just ridiculous. You guys should be able to scratch across four runs against the, the lowly Chicago Cubs. Uh, I mean, this offense is just taking a, a, a true dip. I, I don't know what happened to Marte. The guy was crushing the ball. Oh, he's hurt. Yeah, well, actually, yes. I, I, I couldn't remember if he came off the IL or not. I mean, he seems to be a linchpin, apparently. Um, their DH experiment with Vogelback and, and all those guys seems to have cooled off a little bit. I know they got off to the hot start. But the glaring one is just fucking Pete Alonzo. Yeah, and that's the thing, right, with Alonzo. He's a guy that he needs the rest of the lineup really hitting around him when he's at his best, and that's not a knock on him. I mean, outside of Aaron Judge this year, you can pretty much and like Trout every year, you can pretty much say that about everybody, right? Um, and he hasn't had a lot of help of late with Marte being hurt and Lindor being moved up in the lineup. But I'm sorry, you're not facing the best pitching here. The Chicago Cubs are, you know, their pitching's okay actually. If you look at, at their team ERA and some of the stats, they're about middle of the pack there, but. You know, they don't hit. So the fact that they're coming around and smacking around Bassett, who's been great, was was due for a bad one. Yeah. If they score three off to Grom, and then tonight they kill Peterson. You know, those are those are things you can't allow to happen because the Cubs do not score runs. And you're looking at the Mets, and you're right. Like, their assholes are getting really tight because, now, this is where I'm going to really see what Joe Walter brings to the table, Tom, and I want to see if you agree with me. The Braves lost today. They lost 2-3 at the Giants. So the Mets, if they do get swept, will still maintain a half a game lead in the NL East. You gotta They've sweep got to sweep the Pirates. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, I want to see the Showalter effect. All we've heard is that Showalter's going to make a difference with this team, and up to this point so far in the season, he has. But as you continue to lose games and you continue to not score runs and you have some issues with your pitching, this is where the manager is supposed to make the difference. And I love Buck, and we both love that move for the Mets. But this is going to be this is going to be the time where I think all year we're going to be able to kind of evaluate his performance. No doubt about it. I, I think the the Mets. I mean, looking at their schedule, they need to go probably. They're playing. They're facing Pittsburgh. You got to sweep that, or at the very worst, take three out of four. Then you face Milwaukee three times. I'm just doing this schedule thing up until about October first. Those are the games I'm going to highlight. You're facing the Brewers three times. You got to take two out of three there. Oakland two out of three. Marlins twice. If you split, that's fine, and that's all going to lead up to the final series that really matters, and that's a three-game set September 30th through October 2nd against the Atlanta Braves. And if they can do that, then they should at that series should matter. But if they fall, if they keep falling apart and not giving their pitchers really any run support, because I mean you're right, Bassett did fall apart. It's six-three now. Maybe they'll have a miraculous comeback. Who knows? But. I mean, it's not like these pitchers are going out there and serving up eight to ten runs. I mean, Degrom gives up three runs, and you guys can't get the bats going. And I mean, the guy literally for I don't know how many straight starts. I think he's he broke the record or tied it last night. He's had so many starts in a row with giving up three runs or less, and they can never score runs for the guy. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and they they struggle for Scherzer too, you know, and that might be. Uh, we've both been on record saying that they're more equipped to handle a wild card situation than the Yankees do to their pitching. But hey, that 
maybe we should maybe we should walk that back a little mm-hmm. bit because if they do have a little stretch like they are having now where they don't score runs, DeGrom and Scherzer can both go out there and go seven innings of one or two run ball. But if this lineup's not producing, you're going home early. No doubt about it. Um, and this offense just really scares me. And we said we felt better about the Mets and the Yankees, but now uh, I don't know. It's so fluid. You use the perfect word. Every week changes, and that's why we kind of waited up until, what, the All-Star break to give a full baseball look in, and now we're doing it every week because we're in the pennant chase time, and, and we kind of have to. But, yeah, it's it's amazing what a couple of wins can do and what a couple of losses can do for the psyche of teams. Uh, you know, with and let's be honest, I know Met fans are always waiting for that shoe to drop. Yankee fans of late certainly are not optimistic about the team anyway. So it's kind of felt like doom and gloom, you know, especially listening to New York radio, despite being down here in Austin. Well, to be, to give a little bit of positivity, I know it feels like doom and gloom, but both teams are in first place as of tonight. So let's just live that up for a second. I love it. I love it. All right, Tom, um, baseball made a couple of, pretty impactful rule changes heading into next year that I think we need to discuss. And I'd love to get your take on it because we've, we've speculated about some of these and I love that they're happening. So first of all, there's going to be a pitch clock and I kind of want to just run down the pitch clock for you. Uh, The pitcher has to begin this motion to deliver the pitch before the expiration of the timer or else it's an automatic ball. Um, There's also going to be 20 seconds um, when there's a runner on base there's going to be 30 seconds uh, when there's not a runner on base. And it's going to speed up the game by a lot. And I'm excited for this because we see so many times pitchers are just taking their sweet old time. It's well, also that's for on the, the batters, too, too, bro. Yeah, yeah the batters have to get in. Yep, they have to get into the box, and they can't be fucking doing the Garcia power. With I was going to say, so, thank God <laughs> Nomar's retired. So why don't we start there with the pitch clock? What are your thoughts on it, and um, how do you think this is going to impact the game going forward? I think 2023 and possibly 2024 is going to be a real struggle for both sides, pitchers and hitters. A lot of these hitters like to take a step out of the box and collect their thoughts and whatnot. But, you know, anything that will speed up the game, the rule changes that they did previously to this were so fucking stupid. The ghost runner, thank God that's going away. The only thing I really am in support of that they've done recently is the DH, the 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 inter whatever you want to call it, interleague yeah, DH. Um, I think that's amazing. I think this one is really going to make an impact, and you're not going to see the impact until we have like two or three years of data. But if we can get these games knocked down from you know three and a half hours, I don't know what the average MLB game is, but it feels like that to maybe three, two two and a, two and three quarters. That would be amazing if you know because everybody and it's going to help the fielders out too because every fielder loves a pitcher that just gets the ball and throws the ball keeps them involved i think defensive statistics are going to go up and and the most important one to me the bigger bases i I think that's going to help out on close calls and whatnot the biggest one is getting rid of infield shifts i think that's really going to highlight great defensive players again you know your ozzy smiths and and whatnot and it's going to it's going to give more people jobs in my opinion because right now when you have a shift on you can have like Mike Mustakis playing second base for the for the Milwaukee Brewers cuz you just shift 90% of the time and i, I think it's going to get more guys jobs because guys like that that are just power hitters that you're throwing in there cuz you're going to shift all the time that couldn't feel the lick at second base are are going to be a thing of the past so 
there's a lot to unpack there. I, I don't. I, I totally agree with you on the pitch clock and the pace of play. You know, again, I, I think you and I have been very adamantly clear. We don't really care about the time of the game, but we care about the pace of the game. And just to read a couple of more things here that I think are really going to, you know, enforce that and allow that to happen. You know, when pitchers are, you know, they're only going to be allowed to make a pickoff attempt twice per batter. That's huge. How many times do we What's see guys the consequence? Up- Automatic ball? No, the batter, the runner on first goes to second. Oh, wow. So I mean, listen, baseball is stuck in the past. It's like every other league comes out with tweaks to the rules every single year. And you know what? It doesn't really change the game negatively at all. If anything, it's positive. So let's start yeah. moving in the right direction. And by the way, another and, thing about infield shifts before you go on, I just want to get this point in. It's obviously going to help out the hitters as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, the last thing is there's going to be – there already are already um, – limits on mound visits they're going to keep that the same uh which i think is great and i like what we've already kind of seen where a pitcher has to face at least three hitters if they come into an inning but i think the pickoffs is huge we see guys who straight up don't want to deliver the baseball to home plate and now you're going to have to uh so that's huge yeah sometimes sometimes you see a mound visit and it's like we're going to give this the the guy warming up 30 seconds and the guy at that visits the mound the pitching coach just says just pick off until the manager comes out and we can get this guy in here maybe you got to throw one more pitch yep 100% and then you know the bases i do think is kind of a big deal you're going to avoid chances for injury um, there are some really tough plays that even though baseball's tried to legislate out the real collisions there are still some plays where, where runners get in, in injury trouble and, you know, hurt wrists or fingers. I think the bigger bases are going to help that a lot. It's going to give uh, runners a little bit more opportunity to, to get around the base. It's only three inches, uh, 15 inches to 18 inches, but I do think that's going to matter a little bit. It's also going to help impact stolen bases, I think, a lot too, which the pitch clock will as well. And Tom, for the, for the defensive shift, you – you know, you made your case, and I certainly agree with what you said about the athleticism and bringing a lot of that back into the game. But there's still going to be ways around this. Like the the rule is, is that there has to be two, there has to be two fielders on either side of second base. You know what play it doesn't take out though is that ground ball up the middle that forever was a base hit, right? That's still going to be able to be an out. So that doesn't change a lot of those up-the-middle plays. They're, you're still going to be able to do that. And I also think you're going to see, with that versatility, I think we're going to see some four outfield alignments. You're going to see Agreed. those really heavy pull guys that feel that they might say, okay, we're going to have our three out. We're going to put our left fielder in short right. And there's no rule against that. So teams are so smart these days that it is going to make a difference, but I don't necessarily know if it's going to be as big of a difference as we'd like to admit it's going to be. No, I agree. I think there's going to be ways around it. And, and you know what that says to me, and I don't think it'll happen because the MLB is so far behind. It's, it's not even funny between them and the PGA tour, but what they should do is, is next year, then they should make adjustments like the NFL and like the NBA does, but they won't. It'll take them till the next CBA or whatever. Well, they're doing it now, and baseball's doing it unilaterally. So I think that there is going to be adjustments to it, and they're going to wait on the couple years of data, like you said. But this is a huge step in the right direction. We've been begging for this, and whether players like it or not, tough shit. 
you're going to be able pitchers, major league pitchers should be able to get the ball and deliver it. Batters should be able to stay within the batter's box. Fielders should be able to make plays and batters should be able to take the ball the other way, or at least be forced to do something a little bit different. And that's what we want to see that it's not the length of game that pisses me off. It's the pace of game that pisses me off. There's no reason a game that should be ending in about three hours should go three forty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if the pace of game gets in, gets sped up, then the game itself will get sped up. So everything will fall into place. Hopefully. Yep. Yeah, I hope so. But yeah, that was a pretty big deal, and definitely wanted to get your take on on some of those. I it's going to be, be good for the game. Uh, I I think it's going to be excellent for the game. It's going to be interesting next April and next May with some of these pitchers that like to take a long time going to the plate, and some of these hitters. It's going to be really interesting watching them adjust to it. Spring training is going to be must watch. I think. Yeah. For that reason. No, no doubt. But I, I really do. I think it's going to. These habits have been developed over an entire career. I think this is going to carry over well into the regular season. Oh, me too. Yeah, this is not going to be a quick adjustment. But you know, hey, it should start on the minor league levels, right? That's the one good thing about them enforcing these now is a lot of the young players who will be coming up are already conditioned to these rules. No doubt. I mean, shit. If I'm a hitter. I fucking if I'm a hitter, I'm staying in the box. I'm like fuck it, especially if it's a pitcher throwing, throwing, you know, taking forever to throw each pitch. At some point, he's gonna get hurried up and leave you a fucking leave you a hanger, and and you you should be able to add four home runs to your stats just based off that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Uh, batting averages should increase, uh, strikeouts should decrease, and now all we need is robo arms, Tom, and then we're really set. And that would be great, but I think, you know, I think. As you said, batting averages will increase, strikeouts will decrease, but I think ground ball outs will – maybe we're going back to small ball as well. Maybe the runners because there's only two pickoffs. Maybe the maybe they'll be a little more aggressive on the base paths. I think there's going to be more double plays to be had. I think this is going to be a really good thing. Me too. I mean, here's the thing. You're watching a sport that forever had a lot of action in it, and baseball kind of gets shit on for not having a lot of action. You know, football has actually very little action despite how you know much we think it does. There's a lot of time in between plays, you know, for the most part. Baseball is supposed to have a lot of action and let athleticism be shown and, and pitchers who pitch to contact and, you know, batters who take pride in hitting 300 and not just, you know, hitting 40 home runs and hitting 210. Like, that's where the game has really gotten boring. It's hard to sell people on baseball where it currently is. But if you take back and even when we became fans and we started watching in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, it was a fun game to watch. Yeah. I mean, now if you want to explain it to someone, it's like, so this guy just swings as hard as he can and then walks back to the dugout after three pitches every single time. It's like, yeah, every once in a while, you know, one out of every 20 at-bats, he runs into one and... He gets to run around the bases, but yeah, that that's pretty much it. But I don't know. I mean, last night, I mean, the Mets Cubs game, there was there was a, a bunt for a base hit and then a two strike sacrifice squeeze. I mean, I thought I was watching a Mets classic. <laughs> yeah, and tonight you saw Glaber Torres have that three run like little league home run because the Red Sox threw the ball all over the field, and that's something that doesn't get talked enough about either. We we hope that there's going to be better defense, but there are teams that are just putrid defensively, and if you put the ball in play, there's going to be opportunity to score some runs or take the, advantage of poor defensive teams. The defensive metrics next year for some of these guys that they just haven't they're not every MLB team is going to make adjustments instead of and they're going to react instead of be proactive it's going to be putrid with some of these guys 
because they don't have the shift backing them up anymore. It's going to be, yeah, it, it, it can be really rough. And, you know, those those hitter first, not great defensive players, DH types, those are not going to be around that much anymore. DH is going to be that very versatile position where, you know, it's going to be shared by three or four guys in the lineup who are also good defenders because you can't afford to have one guy, well, did you, know, you see standing uh, out there. Did you see they added a gold glove category for a utility player? I did not see that. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because it's guys like DJ LeMahieu and a few others that I just can't think of right now. That I mean, they don't play the same position every day, but they play excellent defense at second, third, and first, and I think they they deserve some kudos for that. It, they absolutely do. I mean, Ben Zobris was kind of that first guy, right? Yeah. Where you know he became very coveted because he could play both outfield positions and kind of all around the diamond at first and third and short second is like you need guys like that that those are those they're part of what the rays have done so well in the last few years is have a very versatile team where not just with switch hitters and and balancing the lineup but a lot of those guys could play multiple positions no doubt about it thank you thank you baseball for finally moving in the right direction let's ready to move on to uh Another sport that I, I think, no matter what they do, is fucked just because of uh, the institution <laughs> itself of NCAA football. Yeah, let's do it, man. It was an interesting weekend. It was. Um, Alabama, Sean, cool. you didn't go to the game. You texted me saying you might go to the game, but then I guess your I buddy, uh, your buddy, I, I hope whoever it was made a really good amount of money on that because if not, I'd say kind of scummy. <laughs> I know, dude. It was such a cock tease. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going into work Friday, and my friend who has the tickets, I figured sold them already. I didn't even think about it. And he was like, "Hey, I haven't been able to sell my tickets. If it, would you be able to go?" And remember, I, I wasn't feeling great. I was a little under the weather last week. I was like, "Well, fuck yeah! Obviously, I, I'm, I'm sacking up and going to this thing. That would be incredible." You have to. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let me know. He was out of town for a wedding, so he couldn't go. Oh. And I was like, that's why he's been trying to sell them. So were you going to bring like, somebody oh, yeah. or were you going to settle in with the solo seat? I might have thought about No, he settling has two in. tickets, so I would have brought another friend of mine. I, Sean, I'm going to be honest. I might have thought about settling in with the solo seat next to me and just really enjoyed myself. <laughs> well, he has to sell them both because they're a package deal. So I would just be like, all right, well, I would just go with a friend and it would be fucking great. Um, and then around like 6 p.m., he texted me. It was like, last second, I was able to sell them. I didn't ask him how much he was going. I, I hope curious. it was a lot. If not, that's scummy. It better have been a lot. But I was like, listen, man, because he was even saying, he's like, you don't have to pay me for them. If you like, if I'm not able to sell them, I would have to eat the money anyway. So it'd be no big deal. I'd be like, oh, shit. Um, so oh, I was yeah. thinking there for a little bit, I was going to go to the game. Um, and you obviously, just to get personal here, you obviously would have either given the guy a little money or bought the guy a drink or a gift oh, or something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's not, the, that's not the point. Everybody knows that. That's You're a savage beast if you wouldn't do that. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been a lot less than obviously trying to buy a resale anywhere else. What are they going for? Did you peek? I saw the last one was like standing room only was like one forty five a ticket. Oof, yuck. So it was also hotter than shit on Saturday uh, at kickoff. But it's all good. I didn't go, but I I settled into my couch and I watched. And you know, as amazing as it would have been to be there. 
I was getting really, really nervous. So, if you, by the way, if you have any doubt about me being a fraud, you already think I am for Bama, so it doesn't matter. But if I was really a fraud, I would have been like, all right, you know, I'm actually okay if Texas wins. It's good. I'm down here, right? It'd be a great story. There was none of that. I was <laughs> very, very nervous there for a long time, hoping that Bama would win. And they found a way to. But, Tom, I'd love to get your thoughts on this game because – you know, there were some really bad calls. There was Quinn Ewers' injury. There was Bama mm. not doing anything. So kind of give me your thoughts watching this game if you watched it live or from any of the analysis you listened to. I, I, I watched a little bit live, but then I decided to re-watch some highlights on YouTube just because I'm a college football guy now. And honestly, these first two games, um, Alabama, I know, played Little Sisters of the Blind their first week. <laughs> Uh, so I don't really take much away from that. The offense looks a little stagnant to me. Um, yeah. Bryce Young's missing a lot of – his name's Bryce Young, right? Yep. He's missing a lot of throws that should be made if he wants to win that Heisman and be a top pick. And, you know, I said to myself, was last year the rebuilding year or is this year the rebuilding year? But Ooh. I'm not going to put that as my take. That was just more of a apropos – whatever the word you want to use is there um, kind of thought that I had, because I know at the end of the year when they're the number one overall seed and they're rolling, it's, I'm going to look like an idiot. So, you know, Saban's got that, um, that Bill Belichick of the uh, 2000s to 2010s where I got to see with my own two eyes before, before I, uh, before I don't, before I believe it. So, Slow start, I guess. The refereeing was absolutely atrocious. Um, and honestly, for you guys, it, it, it's a shame he got hurt, but it's a good thing Ewers got hurt. Oh, if Ewers stays in, I think they win that game, and I think they win relatively easily. Yeah. Um, but Ewers that's the luck of the really draw. Good. I think, I think honestly, the, the this is going to be the game you look back at. And again, I don't ever wish on injuries, but you're going to say, thank God Ewers got hurt, because if not, it would have been a tough to get into the playoff for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it would all depend on what Texas does the rest of the way, but for sure. I mean, it already hurt their rankings. They went down to two um, because, you know, obviously Georgia, they got their chance at the Little Sisters of the Poor and after what they did to Oregon. Yeah, uh, the week before, obviously, they should be number one, and I kind of said that last week anyway. We talked about this last year in the national championship game, right, when Jamison Williams got hurt. It's like, do, does Alabama win that game if a top-ten pick is healthy? And it's like, yeah, probably. Um, but you can't play in that hypothetical game. you got to go out and win. And, um, you know, Bama got very lucky with calls, uh, particularly that non-safety call. I, I don't know what the refs were thinking there. That was a definite safety um if not even for being down, it was intentional grounding. You was that when the they called back. the roughing the passer thing? Yeah, they said it Bullshit. was roughing and targeting at the same time. I, I watched that play. I mean, that was such bullshit. It was ridiculous, man. I mean, it was it was a, it was a safety. I mean, there's you got to not know what's going on to to try to convince yourself otherwise. But they caught a break, and you know, you mentioned how Bryce Young was missing on some throws. I think Texas's defense was something I took away from this game. They have Gary Patterson as their DC now, who was that you know long-term head coach at TCU, and he was dialing up some really exotic defenses. And they have some athletes on that team that were rattling Bryce Young. But what I took away from it was they don't, at least yet, in the seasons long, something can change. But they don't have that receiver this year that they've had the last five or six years, and they're trying to figure out who that might be. But 
Bryce ended up making that Heisman winning play, avoiding the sack and getting that huge run to set up the game winning field goal by Riker. But man, it was a fun game. Yeah, it really was. But yeah, I mean, I know they got five stars across the board. I mean, their practice squad is probably five stars and four stars, but I just, again, you're right. I don't see the wide receiver. Maybe at some point he could emerge, and I just don't see the the crazy, crazy dominant running back that they always seem to have. No, um, they they don't have that guy yet, and I think Saban, this is usually what he does early in the year on on these quote-unquote rebuilding teams of trying to figure out who fits best where and, and put certain guys based off practices in position to win. You know, they, they deserve to lose this game. They were also, I mean, they were just committing stupid penalty after stupid penalty, which is not characteristic of an Alabama team. And, you know, Saban. I was going to say, I'd love to bad. be a fly on the wall of their practice. I mean, I if you said that to me, I'd say, go coach the NFL, you pussy. <laughs> well, we know what you would say. But, <laughs> uh, I feel bad for the University of Louisiana Monroe, uh, who gets – to play Alabama this week after a What's week of saving tearing into those guys. I don't know. I didn't look. Uh, but you expect Saban to just be relentless on those guys in practice this week. Absolutely. Needless but, to say, I, I bet Alabama with the spread. I think I did it on the pod, and that did not cover. No, it did not at all. Uh, and I give Texas a lot of credit for hanging in there even after Ewers got hurt. Uh, Hudson Card made some big plays, and he was hobbling around too. Um, but Tom, you know, this is interesting to me because we're going to go down this slate from Saturday and, you know, to me is obviously Alabama, you know, nobody wants to make any excuses for them. They're, they're expected to dominate and, and dominate every time they, they play, but they're one of the few teams that does schedule these really tough out of conference games on the road early in the season where other teams don't. And you saw, you know, Texas A&M pay $1.5 million for Appalachian State to come in. And, and that game, you know, they lose. And obviously Marshall beats Notre Dame. Notre Dame invited them to come in and do that. And even when Alabama does play their piece of shit teams in the season, you never really have to worry about them losing. So I think Saban looks at these games as an opportunity to really coach his kids up and say, if we're not good enough, we'll probably lose. And if we can escape with some wins, we'll get, you know, good teaching moments out of it. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to bring that text you sent me after my reply to the pod. Um, that was a good. That was a good response, by the way. Yeah, I, I've said what I had to say about that. <laughs> I, I really, I, I could not care less about your waxing poetic about how tough Alabama is for scheduling these games. Um, I, I, I wish so much more that they lost now. Um, but they didn't. Uh, and yeah, I, Sean, I don't, I, I. I'm trying to care about college football, but I don't fucking care about your 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 case here. I just don't. It's an acknowledgement, not so much as let's say, uh, you know, let's throw a parade here. Um, mm. Because let's go on down the line, okay? Florida, who we were waxing poetic about, and Anthony Richardson the week before beating Utah, well, they bring in Kentucky, and Kentucky beats them by ten. Yeah, this one was kind of a head scratcher. I mean, their offense sucked ass. They were terrible. They were co- absolutely are they, terrible. Did they switch quarterbacks in that game? Because they should. I, I, this is why it's so fleeting, right? Like Richardson, we're saying, oh, look for him as the Heisman, and then he pulls a game like that. And and Kentucky, they they've gotten a lot better as a program 
over the last few years. But come on, you can't you can't lose in the swamp to Kentucky. No, nah, if this was on the road, it'd be justifiable, but not at home. And then the next game is just <laughs> SEC team with a bunch of five stars on it. I mean, geez. the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. And I'll tell you what, I feel really good because I stared at this spread for a while. And then I said, Appalachian State, I don't know, they're frisky. I don't know anything about them, but I did just watch them put up 30 points in a quarter. So I'm going to stay away from this one. And I'm really proud of myself for that. What a dog shit performance by A&M. Yeah, they I just... I mean, you have to be so embarrassed. I didn't even watch the highlights of this one except for what was on, you know, SportsCenter or whatever. I didn't go back to watch it. It... it there wasn't much of a highlight. And then the game that I was dumb enough to bet was Marshall-Notre Dame because oh. I was like, oh, there's no fucking way Notre Dame loses this game after losing. They lost their first game, right, I believe? Uh, yeah, they lost uh, at Ohio State. Yeah, and I was like, oh, they're going to fucking stomp them because they still want a chance to get into the playoff as a one-loss team. They're done. Their season's over. Oh, it's completely over. That's they're, they're now unranked. You know, I feel for that coach because he seems great, like a really great guy, and and it's good for them. And you know, far be it of me to root for Notre Dame. I'm sure part of it had to do with Brian Kelly, but this is why teams pay for a Brian Kelly, right? Like, okay, he wasn't winning national championships at Notre Dame. We're not delusional enough to think that he should have been. He's not going to lose to Marshall. Their fans yeah. are. I mean, he's not going to lose to Marshall, <laughs> and that's that's terrible. I mean, those are two games. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like. How how embarrassing must that be knowing that you paid a team to come in to probably get their asses whooped and they come in and they beat you. I mean that's that's just that's the height of embarrassment I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. Next game up, this is a game that I stared at the spread for a while but I just I worry about this Pac-12 and I guess I shouldn't because Lincoln Riley I mean they absolutely whooped Stanford. Yeah, 41-28. This game wasn't close. Stanford hasn't been good in a few years, but I did look at this game because the USC of old would find a way to go in there and, and lose. Not and, with my boy Caleb. Thank you. I was just going to say, your boy out there now. And, oh. you know, he's, he's letting it fly. Yeah, you know, I mean, I kept, I was listening to a couple, um, couple like, very early draft things and whatnot and, and reading up on it, trying to figure out why, the, the Alabama quarterback, and there's one more quarterback in the country. I, I think it's the Ohio State quarterback. Um, why why he's not getting in the chats. He's only a true sophomore. That's why. He's not getting drafted till next year. You know, it's so funny when you look at the state of college football now because we also don't talk about this, but the constant uh, – basically, I'm just going to call it free agency of the transfer portal. And, you know, how can Caleb Williams be stuck behind Spencer Rattler for a year? Like, that's, that's just crazy. And Quinn Ewers, you know, he was stuck behind C.J. Stroud, and now he's at Texas. Like, you know, you see these kids and you wonder, it's like, oh, how, how are they stuck behind some of these other guys? And it's just, why are these other, why are some of these coaches so committed to keeping one five-star when you have another five-star right behind them? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, listen, Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, beat up on Georgia State. And they kept yeah. it to 14 against Arkansas, who looks yeah, great, really by the way. Sure. Um, Arkansas, not the other. Not, not oh, South yeah, Carolina. Arkansas, Arkansas is good. They're, they're a good program. Last college football note, and then we'll move to Sunday. But Nebraska fired head coach Scott Frost. And 
this makes me laugh because this is the epitome of what you and I have talked about with the realignment shit. You know, Nebraska forever was very comfortable in the Big 12, and they were a good program, and they were winning, especially when Scott Frost was playing there. And, you know, they got great recruits, and they were playing big-time rivalry games against Oklahoma, who they have this Sunday, or this Saturday, and Texas and Texas A&M when they were there. Now, they're, they sold their soul to the Big 10. They get absolutely dog-walked in that conference. And Scott Frost, who came over from UCF, I mean, Tom, 16 and 31, they paid $3 million to bring him over from UCF, signed him to a seven-year, $35 million deal, and now have to buy him out for $15 million. I mean, what are these teams, what are these schools doing? I hope the money is worth it because they have to have plenty of it to pay this guy. Well, this is just another example, and you see it every year two or three times of the long line of why these schools say that they don't have any fucking money. Every time. We don't have any money. Well, because you just bought Scott Frost out for $15 million. Actually, realistically, it's $18 million because you paid you know, an, a, another $3 million to get him there. Like, That's why you don't have any fucking money, because whoever's making these decisions should be fired. I mean, I, I liked... Scott Frost at UCF, national champion UCF, by the oh, way. Oh, shit. <laughs> Although I appreciated them being Auburn in that game. That was nice. Um, but, I mean, these a- these ADs need to do a better job. But what what the fuck do they care? Because every time that, they th- that, you know, something goes wrong, somehow they turn the faucet on and more water comes out. I don't get it. <laughs> I... I I'm not a plumber, Sean. That's uh, that's not me by trade. But I thought that if you turn the faucet all the way, you know, no more water comes out. I didn't know that you could just break it and more water kept flowing out. You know, it's a great point by you. And, and you know, if anybody's trying to hire a plumber for a really cheap rate, I, I would recommend not going to you. But that's no. a good point. I'm not a You're plumber. right. I don't deal uh, with shit. That's everybody has so what you ever thought about it? I, I said no. That's not a trade I would do. I don't deal with. I don't deal in shit. You have some dignity, for God's sakes. But yeah, they make good money, uh, though, so I respect the hustle. <laughs> oh, they absolutely do. But we need them because people like us ain't touching it. But yeah, I mean, dude, like this is the thing with these schools, and it's like okay, as we continue to see certain schools go elsewhere and, and leave their conference, it's like okay, great. But you know, what does Nebraska realistically think they are at this? point? Like it's Scott not Frost 1990 anymore. No, and he was an alum. He was the guy that was going to come save them, right? And it's just they're not getting the players. They're not going to get the players. And in the Big Ten, which has Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State and Iowa and all these really good schools, now soon to be USC and UCLA, like you're not going to contend with those teams. So congratulations go pay somebody the the minimum a couple hundred thousand dollars and you know have at it enjoy your three or four win seasons like this is a this program there have been some programs where i continue to say it's cyclical like usc especially with lincoln riley there now and your boy caleb like this, that they're gonna get good again I, I don't doubt that and and michigan obviously always has its appeal and there's those blue blood schools i know that term's often used in college basketball but you, it applies to football there's other schools where it's like listen you had your heyday man it's over and nebraska's one of them yeah no doubt about it i mean i think it's over for them i think it's over for penn state um there's a few others. I think Michigan uh, is teetering on the edge for me. Notre Dame. 
unless they get into a big division and they can actually get a halfway decent head coach in there. I think it's over for them. I mean, there there's a lot of schools, but I mean, much more I, I explicitly whatever word you want to use. It's over for Nebraska. It's been over. It's been over. I will push back a little bit on Michigan and Notre Dame, maybe in terms of winning championship after championship, but like, you know, as long as a coach like like Jim Harbaugh wants to go there, or a coach like Brian Kelly wants to be at Notre Dame, or or schools like like as long as coaches want to go there, sure. Like but I think their days, they're, like you said, their days of winning national titles are over because Brian Kelly and Jim Harbaugh have a combined zero national titles at those schools. Right. But you know, you see a school like Auburn, right? And like they're a really good program, and they have their peaks and valleys. But when they get a good coach in there they're contending for championships and then they might not be as good. And eventually Saban's going to leave Alabama and, you know, they'll probably have a stretch where they're not contending for championships. And Mm -hmm. are they going to get another head coach that wants to go there? And there are certain programs that will always, they'll always appeal to to the big names, Kiffin or, or Dabo, but it's like, Maybe or maybe not. Maybe they don't go that route. I mean, they had that. I mean, they had stretches where they did not get great coaches and they weren't great teams. So it all comes back around for certain programs. But yeah, for Nebraska, not at all. Not at all. What's up with Coach O? Does he ever coach again? Just a question. I mean, after the allegations, I would like to say no. But listen, it's college football. It's as sleazy <laughs> as it gets. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man. All right, man, let's move on to some football. Um, picks this week. I think you and I both went 3-1, and one, my friend. We were good, man. We were really good. We got off to a good start. Yes, but we will recap that and make our picks for week two at the end. Let's start on Thursday night. First game of the season started off. Uh, the air got let out of the balloon a little bit just by one of the teams. The Bills beat up on the Rams. Obviously, the next day, everybody's banging their head against the wall because we should have seen it coming from a mile away. 31-10 to 10 in Los Angeles. The Bills look like an absolute wagon. Um, I'm not too worried about the Rams just because from what I've seen this weekend, the NFC looks like dog shit just as a <laughs> – as a outside of the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> as a – as a Hilarious. complete league and as a whole, who's the class of it? The Philadelphia Eagles? Who only won by three in Detroit? Uh, mm-hmm. No, I, I'm with you. I'm not going to panic on the Rams, but this, this to me, did not really have anything to do with the Rams. I mean, Stafford coming off the elbow injury. They'll be fine, although Jalen Ramsey got, got really run on by Diggs, and maybe his days of being an elite corner done. We'll have to see. I but. mean, it's like... Corners, running backs, closers. They just fall off a cliff. <laughs> they do. They do, man. There's no doubt about it. And to me, this was all about Josh Allen and the Bills. Because when teams have losses like they had in the in the second round, remember, everybody, that was not the AFC Championship game. That was the second round in the playoffs against the Chiefs. When you have a loss like that and you lose – you lose your your offensive coordinator and Dable, and you, you're like, okay, I know there's a lot of expectations around this team, but what are they really going to be? Are they are they ready for that next step, like we talked about on our preview pod, or are they maybe going to be a little phased by the moment? And they just they went in there from the get go and just took that game. And I will always say this: as as impressive as Josh Allen is, I want to get your thoughts on it too. I would like them to change their offense a little bit so he doesn't take so many shots because no matter how big and strong he is, and he is awesome, 
I mean, he he's taken a, he took a lot of shots, and that was only week one. Agree with you. I never really thought about it until you said that, but I mean, the guy is such a good quarterback at this point. I think he could definitely afford to take a page out of older Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's entire career and just get the ball out quicker. As um, as what's his face, the guy who beat beat your Giants in the Super Bowl, the bald guy back in the day. Um, the fuck is his name? You know who I'm talking about. 2000 and what was it? 2002. Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. As Trent Dilfer says, sometimes you just got to take the cheese. Just just <laughs> dump it down. Like you, you got you got your running back in the flat there, or you got that five yard in or out. Take the cheese instead of standing there in the pocket and getting slammed, and then you got play action set up for you. I would like that as well. Yeah, but other they ain't that, doing shit if Josh Allen gets himself hurt. No, not at all. So with that being said, though, I mean, they, they completely dominated this game. I know the Rams had it tied at the half, but it never I never felt like they were going to win that game, did you? No, and they came out at halftime like, a, like an even better, different team. They they are they are a juggernaut, and in the loaded AFC, you know, obviously it's only one game, but they certainly, I think, outside maybe the Chiefs had the most emphatic uh, emphatic statement game. But let's move on down the line to our local. And Tom, we'll start with your Jets. I, you, you, I, I don't know if I'm going to get angry, Tom, or apathetic, Tom, but losing twenty four to nine to the to the Ravens. I mean, what do you take out of this game? Running backs look good, and the defense looked good in the first half. That's pretty much it. I like what I saw out of Sauce. Sean, what, Joe Flacco is playing quarterback for us, man. What, what, our offensive line is already in shambles. What is there really to say? I mean, I'm just trying to get Zach back and see some positivity. The season's over. What's there to get pissed off about? You know what I mean? Maybe uh, it's because maybe it's because I'm engaged, and you know yeah. I. I'm getting married soon, and then I'm, and then there's going to be kids. Maybe I'm maturing before your eyes. What's there to get mad no, about? No, I'll really? never say that. <laughs> Seriously, though, what, what's there to get mad about? Like, in order for me to get mad, I'd have to have expectations. Mm. Like the Yankees. I, I, well, I have none for this team, especially at this point. I got fucking Joe Flacco as my quarterback, and it's 2022. No, man. I mean, listen... <laughs> I think that's the thing that Sala doesn't quite understand. And, you know, I'm tired of the coach speak, and I actually really appreciated him on the Michael K show saying I'm taking receipts and I can't wait to shove it down people's throats and all that. It was the first time I didn't hear the all-same football cliches. And I'm sure he's feeling some pressure. I mean, listen, we see in the preseason Joe Flacco look okay. Yeah, because he's playing against nobodies. Like, He's making checkdowns. He's missing wide open guys down the field, and because he, he's not taking those chances, and he's a statue there for an already compromised offensive line, as you said. Yeah, you can take some positives away from the defense. I, I saw Johnson make a, a couple of big plays. Your third first round pick and Sauce looked great, but I mean the Ravens didn't have Ronnie Stanley. They didn't have J.K. Dobbins. They didn't have Marlon Humphrey, and you know to be honest, they didn't look very good in my opinion at all. And the Jets, you would have liked to see them maybe make the Ravens work a little bit um, more. And then in the third quarter, it was just like this defense can't continue to can't continue to try to win the game on their own. Um, and it sucks, you know, it, it sucks again, watching Joe Flacco play. Like I know Mike White sucks and he's not the answer, but 
literally he's so bad you can't even play him over Flacco at this point. Yeah. That's the problem. I can't even blame Flacco. It's like take the money if they're gonna keep running you out there. It's more of a more of a front office issue than it is a Flacco issue. He is he is what he is. He he is what he has been since shit, a couple years after he won the Super Bowl. From the Ravens, I mean they they ran Lamar ran the ball well, made made the throws he needed to make. I, I gotta see him play like a real NFL team. Yeah, uh, they left a little to be desired for me, but it's early, you know, and and again, I did think the Jets' defense looked pretty good early in that game. Tom, I can't believe it, but the New York Giants are 1-0. They went into Tennessee, and after being down 13-0 in the first half, I'm thinking, well, here we fucking go again, you know. (laughs) They're going to maybe score seven points, and and that's going to be it. And they looked like a completely different team in the second half. And I definitely... I want to talk about the Titans and what this means for them, but I'm going to luxuriate for a little bit first. Hey, Saquon Barkley looked like rookie of the year, Saquon Barkley, and Sterling Shepard caught a deep ball touchdown, and this offensive line crushed the running game. I mean, they allowed so many holes for Saquon. I mean, Evan Neal was incredible. Andrew Thomas was the highest-ranked offensive line, according to PFF in the first week of the season. And Tom, if those two guys execute the way they're supposed to and the interior guys hold up their end of the bargain, we could be watching a really special year for Barkley if he's healthy. No doubt about it. And you know what? Your head coach in his first game, he did the right thing too. He did not have Daniel Jones do too much. We're going to talk about him in a second. But he gave the ball to his playmaker and Saquon, shaky as I like to say, did way more than enough. Um, and I mean, I know I had the Giants going under seven and a half, but I think that's uh, if they play like this, they can get themselves right at seven because they're not well, going to be able to do this against actually good teams. Obviously, I had the Titans going under two, and I think the Titans suck. But um, I mean. Uh, I think their defense looked pretty good. They, I, I think they did. They had an incredible game plan against this Titans team, which is a very predictable team this year. But hey, to stop Derrick Henry, and I think they held him to to eighty something yards on a million carries. To stop him is still a feat in itself. Oh, it's huge, and and you know having Wink Martindale as your DC. I mean, he is an accomplished defensive coordinator. You feel good about what he's scheming. When you don't have Aziz Ojolari and you don't have Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, they still were able to make plays. Ward had a great game uh, filling in on one of those edge spots. And, you know, Tay Crowder laying that hit on, oh, yeah. on, uh, on Derrick Henry. But, you know, I think Daniel Jones is obviously a point of contention. And this, Here we sh- go. this, this shocked me. This actually shocked me because outside of the throw to Shep, uh, deep down the sideline in busted coverage, or deep down the middle of the field, I should say, in busted coverage for the touchdown. That 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 interception he threw when the Titans gift wrapped the Giants on giving up that punt return. It, it, it can't fucking happen. No. But Tom, he was ranked the fourth best quarterback in the NFL in Week One performance wise, and I don't get it because I never got that sense. Watching that game. How do they rank those things? Do they, does a the computer do it? Because they, the computer didn't I watch the game. Know. I mean, I know I texted you after that, and then they won. I obviously had an incident with Soy where he was beating the shit out of yeah. me, so I had to clip his nails, so I couldn't. I'm a man of principle and honor, and I totally would have <laughs> texted you and said congratulations. I was dealing with something then, but I had to text you after that pick. I mean, Jesus Christ, he might as well have fucking walked over to the guy and just handed him the ball. 
was that so was bad. So bad. And that is why right then and there, the Giants are not going to beat better teams in the NFL this year and why they are he is the reason why they are going to finish with seven wins this year and you guys are going to be looking for a new quarterback. I I, I don't care that they won. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you guys start out the season tied for the lead in the um, NFC East, but the, he's got to go, dude, just off that one throw alone. I know. Listen, I mean, those, and those are the things that this watching this game felt very different to me from the last few years. And, and I'll kind of go into it without taking too much time because we have a whole slate to run through. But, you know, they're down 13 nothing. The last few years, that game ends, you know, 21 to seven with a garbage time touchdown. Right. Something like that. They come storming back and they tie it, even though they missed the extra point. And after that interception, you're thinking, here we go again. And they give up the lead, and then they come right back, and Jones plays really well at the end there. And, and obviously it was helped by Saquon um, being uh, being you know great and being what he was in 2018. But I love Brian Dable chewing out Jones on the sideline after that interception. You wouldn't have seen that with the last couple regimes. Obviously, Shermer was invested in him, and, and Judge didn't know how to talk to quarterbacks, and Jason Garrett doesn't coach. So to see Brian Dable go over to him and say, listen, you're in year four. I'm not sure this is exactly what he said, but I interpret it as you're in year fucking four. We're, we're, we were just gift-wrapped that ball. You're, we need to come away with at least three points, and you cannot make that throw. And I love that, and I'm excited to see if that translates over to the next couple of weeks, even though primarily I agree with you about Jones. The other thing I love, too, is second-half adjustments, Tom. This team never made any fucking adjustments in-game. It was mm-hmm. always week-to-week, week, and there were legitimate changes made in-game from half-to-half half that I haven't seen, honestly, since Coughlin. And just the feel of that game. And even if they lost on that field goal, I was texting Frenchie and some other friends. And I was like, listen, even I'm, I'm expecting them to lose. Like I expected Bullock to make that field goal, but I was like, I don't even care. The fact that you went for two there, the fact that you went for the win, the fact that they're able to answer Tennessee, who I know we don't think that highly of, but they were the number one seed in the AFC last year. And it's on the road from the Giants. Team. We don't expect much from this year. It just felt totally different. No, it absolutely did. I mean, I don't want to get too excited after one game for you, but no. the chewing out of, of Jones was definitely a nice touch. We were excited about Judge when he did first start. I don't know if you remember. Um, things but again, got... like we were saying that after they lost four or five games mm-hmm. in a row. Dable wins week one, whether it was because of a absolutely and, or whatever. They and going for two, which you're – I mean, that's like – like I do that shit in fucking Madden. It's like uh, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm an underdog on the road. You go for the fucking win. Like and that shit that the Giants would have kicked the extra point uh, on oh, yeah. that uh, a year ago, two years ago, whatever. And you know I like what I'm seeing from everything except the quarterback. The only problem is is that the quarterback is the most important position in sports. Yeah, he is, and and I agree with you on Jones, but I am excited to see if anything changes, you know, from week to week. And, Tell you and what, the that. game plan adjustment was perfect. It's like let's stop letting Danny Dimes drop back. Let's get the ball in the hands of our best playmaker. And you know what? And they even tried to do it with other players as well. You saw Kadarius Tony getting a couple of carries as well, and that guy, man, if he could just stay fucking healthy, is the shiftiest dude in the NFL. It's insane. It's like. 
he's like a fucking grease pig out there. Nobody can touch him. <laughs> Seriously. No, I know. And by the way, your analogies are on point today. And I'll just Thank close you. the Giants with this as we move down the gauntlet. But listen, Kadarius Tony only got a couple of snaps, and that was because he didn't practice much last week. A, coming back from injury, and B, you know, they just didn't run a lot of packages for him. And that was going to be uh, a potential, you know, controversy in itself. And, and they just squashed it right there. He was like, listen, if you don't practice much the week before, you're not going to get a lot of snaps or plays, and you have to earn this. And that is just great to see. And not in an asshole way where I'm the, author, I'm the authoritarian and, you know, you're going to earn this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like, if you're not contributing in practice, how can I expect that to translate to game time? And I expect him to really be worked in in, in week two here against Carolina. For the Titans, Tom, just putting a book on them, I, I don't think they're very good. And, and But they might be bailed out by a bad, by a bad, bad division. Well, we're going to talk about the Colts a little bit later. I expect a hell of a lot more out of them. I don't know if I should. The Titans, it's just Tannehill, I think, regressed again. I think he's regressed every year since his peak season a few years back. And they don't have any weapons outside of Derrick Henry. I mean, Robert Woods is a nice receiver, but he's coming off of an Achilles. Really, what else do they have? And they lost a lot of defensive players as well. You know how I feel about them. Yep. All right, let's talk Eagles-Lions. 38-35, Eagles escaped with this win. I say escape, it felt like they were dominating the whole game, but mm-hmm. the Lions kept coming back. Yeah, um, from an Eagles perspective, I need to see a shit ton more out of this defense that was so hyped up at the beginning of the season. I understand that the Lions got better at skill positions as well as they probably have a top-five offensive line right now, but they're still the Lions. I'm sorry if everybody hears oh, soy meowing. Do you Which hear it? that? I don't know. I think that's Soy uh, meowing. Uh, he probably wants to come in and make a point about Daniel Jones. He doesn't like him either. Um, he thinks he's fucking dog well, we're shit. We're on to the Eagles Lions, so we're, he's, he, he had his chance. He's yeah, Soy, relax. We're talking about the Eagles now. He likes Hurst. He says he says he likes the Eagles with the spread this week. I disagree, but we'll see. I'll get him his own. I'll get him his own Fanduel account. Um, I, I you mean, know what's funny about that is I would not put it past you. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, I, I liked the Eagles offensively. I liked what I saw. You know, you pay all, you give up all this draft capital and then you sign AJ Brown, you get him involved heavily. You get the, the running game there. I think four different players scored. I just need to see a lot more out of that, out of that defense. And for the Lions, step in the right direction. I mean, you scored 35 fucking points. You just gave up 38. This offensive line looks great. Just got to build on it. Yep, I echo everything you said. I, the Eagles are the class of the NFC East for sure. Uh, they they have the potential to score a lot of points. Maybe Soy has something to say about that. Jesus uh, Christ, this cat's going off right now. He's been he's been such a pussy lately. Really, I caught him hiding under the couch yesterday, and then he's fucking fat, so he couldn't get out. <laughs> Maybe it happened again. Well, I he got really scared by uh, the thunder. Two nights ago, the thunder woke me up, scared me at like 4 a.m. Loudest thunder I've ever heard. And then he was under the couch when I left for work. When I came back, he was still under the couch. Yeah, he's probably like, when's this fucking guy getting home to let me out of here? <laughs> I had to tempt him with a fucking kitty churro to come out. You, you know, when you get back on your gym grind, maybe you should bring soy with you and, and get one of those wheels or something where he can run around. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to because now he just cries and fucking wants food. Where, yeah, where, 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 where? Great, Sorry. But, so he, so but he keeps interrupting. 
Oh, it's all good. I mean, listen, you're in the animal kingdom over there. Um, but the Lions, to me, this was, speaking of which, was were, were pretty exciting to me. I, I like the fact that, you know, they have some they have some very, like, watchable players, especially DeAndre oh, yeah. Swift, right? And, like, yeah, with that offensive line, he's going to get a lot of carries. Their backup, what was it, Williams, was pretty good, too. Two touchdowns. Um, yeah, and, you know, Goff, when he has – players like that around him he's he's not the worst thing in the world uh golf when he has time golf when he has time is a fine nfl quarterback yep but for the eagles you know they escaped with this win they didn't play nearly close to the kind of game they want to play but this offense is really fucking dangerous man the eagles are gonna roll through this division and they might even get the number one seed just based off the nfc sucking but it's games like this that are going to make me look back and say this is why they're lost in the playoffs because their head coach is not good. No, he's not. Sirianni is, you know, he might be bailed out. Well, they might be that great regular season team that you have no surprise about being bad in the playoffs. But we'll see. This game was really interesting to me. Bears beat the 49ers in an absolute monsoon and flooded <laughs> uh, Soldier Field. Yeah, it was interesting to me because, you know, Listen, Justin Fields has no help from his front office, from his coaching staff, from his uh, talent on the field. So it was really hard to evaluate him. Nobody was doing shit in this game other than getting drenched and you know sliding all over the field. And listen, he made that one throw to Mooney. Other than that, he just made plays happen with his legs, and he was playing backyard football. And what I thought was interesting was Trey Lance was trying to do that. He couldn't. And listen, this might be the only game the Bears win all season. I think they are a terrible team. But if you're a Bear fan, you could be at least excited by a guy that did not wilt in that terrible weather. And and if you're San Francisco, you know, it's like Trey Lance, I'll excuse it because of the conditions, but that was not a good that was not a good first start. Not at all. And the Jimmy G clamoring gets a little bit louder after every loss, especially like that. Um, The only thing I really take away from this game is that when I make my picks, and I didn't do it this week either, I really need to check the weather because I had the Niners minus seven um, in that game. And to be honest, if it was, if I knew that if the weather was going to be good, I'd take the Niners minus seven every single time. Next time I got to avoid when I hear monsoon, I'm going to run away. From now on, um, I don't really know what to take from that game except uh, good job by Justin Fields to just try and make things happen out there. Yeah, and that's why I said it was interesting. It, it was interesting from this from the perspective of nobody can do anything. Somebody has to have more points than the other team, you would think. And it was kind of fun seeing Justin Fields play some backyard football. No doubt about it. You ready to move on to the next game? Yeah, let's do it. All right, the Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots 20-7. to um, Honestly, Sean, for me, this is just a matter of, uh, aside from the Patriots' woes in Miami for the last 100 years, this is just, to me, I wasn't impressed with Tua. Still, I need to see it against a real team. This was just the more talented team beat the less talented team. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Um, I didn't take a lot from Tua, even though he made some big plays. Uh, the Patriots are not a good team, man. I mean, they are a really, nope. really bad team. Not at all. I, I mean, they might be they might be in for a high draft pick as well. And they I know just we don't talked have about talent. It. Point yeah, blank, period, it. dude. Yep. And, and the Dolphins have a lot of it. And to me, 
we might not have a great answer on Tua, but he might win, you know, 11 games because when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, a lot's possible. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you don't have to be a good quarterback when all you got to do is throw it five yards and they turn that into 70. Listen, he's always been super accurate on those intermediate throws. And when you have Waddle and Hill, they're going to make a lot of catches. You got Gasicki as well. And then you just let them get into open space a lot like what Odell did with Eli that year the Giants won 11, right? The other thing is... The more I read about it and the more I listen to it from injury experts and whatnot, that that injury that Tua suffered at Alabama with the hip and whatnot, that that is a much longer than one or two year recovery. And maybe he's coming into his own. I need to see it against a team that's not the Patriots. the The talent is just not there. Good for Tua to get the win. Good for good for Miami. Um, next game up. I don't have the score here, but oh, I got we got Steelers Bengals. Steelers Bengals. Um, in the drunkest game of the week, twenty three twenty. Yeah, that game. Uh, that game was tough to watch. Joe Burrow had like four picks. I mean, I he did have a recent appendectomy and he lost like twenty pounds. So I I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt. Also losing yeah. T Higgins to a concussion in that game. Um, for me, it was just, you know, you said this offensive line, you worked on the offensive line, you, you upgraded the offensive line, whatever word you want to use. To be honest, I didn't really see it. No, that's that was my biggest takeaway from the Bengals side too. Um, I don't worry about Burrow. He just took him to a Super Bowl last year after basically being decapitated um, on the way there. So, no, I don't worry about Burrow. Listen, he, he takes chances, and there were a couple of those plays that Minka Fitzpatrick was just a fucking stud on. Jeez. Maybe not even Burrow's fault, but this was just such a Pittsburgh Steelers win, right? Well, both teams were missing field goals and extra points, and you know, it just seemed like nobody wanted to win this game. Like, <laughs> I and he literally said, "Like, what is happening?" After Boswell missed his uh, his field goal, that clang, man, that was a oh, clang heard around the world. That was the that was not a double doink. No, no, Chicago. That was a um, rejection. But, yeah, this game was nuts. This game was absolutely nuts, but it's a Mike Tomlin win. That's how I looked at it. You know, your defense took control. They made plays when they had to. Um, I did not think Mitch Trubisky was very good at all. But no. this is this is, this is is what happens when you have in probably the best head coach in the sport. And that's what's weird is, like, I, I still can't figure out how they even got enough points to win the game because I was going through their skill position players, and I'm like, all right, Mitch sucked. Deontay Johnson had a lot of targets and a lot of receptions, but he really didn't have a lot of yards, and he didn't have a touchdown. Claypool had nothing. Their new receiver, Pickett, Pickens, whatever, had nothing. And Najee Harris got hurt and had nothing. So, like, I, I, was, I just couldn't figure out where the hell the points came from. But somehow they ended up winning the game, and I, I still haven't figured it out. No, we could say that about a lot of Steelers games over the last few years when they were dealing with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah. right? It's like... You know, you see him throw for like 120 yards and can't throw the ball more than eight yards down the field. And it's like, oh, well, they won, you know, 24 to 20. And it's like, mm-hmm. what? How? And so <laughs> it, it started It started again this year. Yeah, I don't worry about vu. the Bengals, by the way. They'll be fine. No, no, not at all. I really don't. And I think their offensive line is hopefully going to round into form for Joe Burrow's body's sake. Um, all right, moving on to the next game. 
Baker, no revenge game. Um, the Panthers absolutely came out dead in the first half. Uh, Baker tried to bring him back, but Brissett had a really, really good final possession. Um, and they ended up, I think, winning on a field goal, right? Yep. Um, not much to say here. Two non-playoff teams, but the Browns, I, I think they're going to be in a lot of these games just based off the fact they have two very, very good running backs and they have a really good defense. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, right? Like, you wonder how are they going to survive this before Watson? Is the is the division going to be wrapped up by the time Watson gets back? And that still could be true, but I don't think that we're watching a really bad team here. And Jacoby Brissett is is good enough, right? He's competent enough uh, to beat bad teams, which the Panthers are. And Baker Mayfield, man, I know he came alive in the second half and, and made some big plays and made some big-time throws, but, I mean, he's just... I just don't think he's very good. Now, I hope he doesn't make me eat my words this weekend as Carolina comes into MetLife against mm-hmm. the Giants and he throws the ball all over the fucking place. But from that game, maybe it is because of the Browns' defense, but he didn't seem a lot better than what Darnold's been or what Camp was or P.J. Walker was. Yeah, uh, especially in the first half. I'm hoping he starts – I, I like Baker just a smidge more than you, so I'm hoping he I figures know. it out. Um all right, moving on to the next game. Colts and Texans tie. Colts got off to an absolutely brutal, brutal start. Um, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I just don't fucking know. I mean, good on the Titans to, to even have 20 points in the game, given their current circumstances. And I think this team is going to be frisky. I think they might be able to win four, maybe even five games. They surprise some teams. Fucking shame on the Colts, though. Oh, what is with this? This team, is dude? just the epitome of Matt Ryan. I, I and you know it's not even really Matt Ryan because I could have seen Carson Wentz doing this. I could have seen Philip Rivers doing this. Once you put that fucking uniform on, I'm telling you, I'm starting it up right here, right now. It's the curse of Andrew Luck. They did him dirty. I know they're still paying him, <laughs> but they did him dirty by not giving him the offensive line, and he put a hex on them. Listen, you know why you could see this happening with Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers? Because you fucking did. Like, <laughs> this is literally the same game they've been playing for three years. And I was, I am so happy I did not go near them in Survivor. By the way, I know you like to brag about your fantasy. Guess who's moving on to week two for the first time in three years? Carson <laughs> because of the Indianapolis. That is, listen, me. my fantasy resume is light years stronger than a first time week two in three it's not years. first time. It's the first time in a few years. That yeah, is yeah, not yeah. something I, to be proud of. It, no, it, it's literally like, nah, I don't want to say it. We don't, I don't want to get canceled. But um, listen, it was literally, I got a text from my buddy who's in the same pool as me on, on Sunday night. He goes, <laughs> welcome to week two. I don't believe you two have ever met before. I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds like something <laughs> I would say. It definitely was. It was a, it was right out. It was a page out of your playbook. But this is why I didn't want to go near the Colts because, listen, I know they fought back and, and they tied this game. I'm glad this game ended in a tie because neither team deserved to win. Both of these teams have a lot of work to do. I actually agree with you about the Texans, though. Like, Davis Mills does not suck. And they have enough players, and I love Lovey Smith as a head coach. I think they could be frisky team in that division, but they're not going to end up having a lot of wins. And, and the Colts have a lot of work to do. And, you know, I guess I'll just ask you, is this just Matt Ryan getting introdu- introduced to a new 
team, a new division, or is this Matt Ryan that we saw in Atlanta for the last few years? I think the Atlanta Matt Ryan, given the defense, the offensive line, and the little bit of weapons with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman is enough to where, even if it is Matt Ryan in the last few years, I think he's going to be able to to drag this team to to the division, just given the shit division. It's not even really a compliment to Matt Ryan. I think he's going to be able to be better than this. I mean, you have to you have to hope so, right? I mean, they ended in tie, but you know, the Titans losing to the Giants, and obviously we'll get to the Jaguars, Commanders. Just oh man, this division stinks. But yeah, let's move on to uh, the Saints and Falcons. And this was a game that you know it's been the same story for the, for this team for the last five six years. Ever since the Super Bowl against the Patriots, Falcons found a way to lose. I thought Mariota looked pretty good. They put themselves in position to win this game, but they couldn't seal the deal and another heartbreaker in, in ATL. Absolutely. Congrats to Jameis. Um, I mean, he was he finally figured out that if he just threw the ball to a somewhat healthy Michael Thomas, good things are going to happen in the second half. Kamara's a little dinged up, but he'll be okay. I'm trying to manifest things for my fantasy team here. Speaking of text sent out, um, that my fantasy team did not do good week one. Got a nice text from uh, one of my best friends. Just said, hey, how are you? And I just said, I'm fine, man. The regular season is your jam. Just enjoy it. Some of us like to make long <laughs> playoff runs. Some of us like, I said, and then I just followed it up with, some of us like winning the first game, and some of us like winning the last game of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. As he's missed the playoffs repeatedly. So you, you enjoy that, Tutti. You enjoy that week one win. And uh, I'll just I'll enjoy the playoffs, and you can enjoy watching me enjoy the playoffs. Um, but with that being said, that's it for Shots fantasy fired. for me. Um, I just get a little fired up when when peasants come to talk to the king like that. You know what Strong. I mean? Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Falcons. I I mean I think that they're. I, Mariota, I know, I know they had to dust him off a little bit because he hasn't played in, and he was Raiders' backup for what three years. But for some reason, ever since he threw that football off somebody's helmet and ran it in against the Chiefs, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I do. Um, yeah. I, I just I like him a little bit, and well, and I don't like him to win that. a Super Bowl, but I think the Falcons can win a few games this year. They got some weapons too. Well, Cordero Patterson, you know, they still are using him a lot. And I was going to say, of course I remember that game because that was the last game uh, a quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes uh, started of relevance for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. That was Alex Smith's last game. But, uh, yeah, dude, it, to me, you know, the Falcons, it's never been about talent. And they have talent. Uh, you know, Drake London made a couple of big plays in this game. The, the first receiver taken off the board in this year's draft. Obviously, they have Kyle Pitts. And Patterson, as I mentioned, but you know they'll they'll be in a lot of games. They just cannot close. It's like them and the Chargers. They just do not close games. Yep. Well, we'll talk about the Chargers a little bit later. Um, following that, we have the Washington Football Team. You know, I'm keeping it going. Uh, yeah. Beating the Jaguars, twenty-eight to twenty-two. Carson Wentz spreading the ball around, looking like a real quarterback, getting some completions on third down. Frisky. Looking like a real quarterback, except he might still be the only one, maybe other than my quarterback, who can throw an interception for a pick six on a screen pass. That's never good. 
especially when it's to, I think, either a linebacker or an interior defensive line. It was to Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick. Yeah, he's not a corner, man. <laughs> no, no. That's embarrassing. Uh, but, Very athletic you know, saw... play. Shout out to him, but still. Oh, yeah. It was it was the Carson Wentz full experience. You know, two god-awful interceptions, but also made a couple of gigantic third-down conversions. And, you know, there are some actually really skilled players on this Washington offense. No, there are. I mean... Curtis Samuel is finally healthy. Rivera's got his guy back there. Terry McLaurin, let's get him fucking more involved after giving him $72 million. I'm venting about the fantasy team again, but seriously, he's by far Dawson, the best player though, on the team. Dawson, though, the rookie. Uh, very interesting. I know he found the end zone twice. First-round pick. I, I, I'd like to see him maybe sit down for a couple weeks and let him cool off and get Terry McLaurin the ball more. <laughs> yeah, Even well, Logan Thomas. This team's got players, man. They do. They do. The and running if, backs if, are good. If Wentz plays the way he played up until week 15 last year, you know, this is a team that that could be sneaky good, especially because we know what they what they possibly can do on defense, too. Yeah. And not to mention, we're going to talk about the Cowboys outside of the Eagles. This division's pretty open now, buddy. I know. I know. It's And, the, and for the Jaguars, to me, they actually look competent, which I think is a step in the right direction. Uh, no doubt. Lawrence some plays and, and, this game uh, could have been won if ETN could catch a ball. I was just going to say, and if ETN was, was able to make a couple of plays, they, they might have won that game. By the way, did you see him get absolutely blown up on yeah. that pass? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it happens. Welcome to the NFL. That's it. Uh, let's move on down the line. We got the Chargers. They beat the Raiders 24-19. They did hold on in this game. The Raiders made a late comeback, but this game was pretty much dominated by the Chargers' time. Absolutely. Uh, I know J.C. Jackson didn't play, but the defense looked pretty stout, getting a lot of pressure on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is just a very glorified version of Jared Goff, in my opinion. Once you put him under pressure, he starts to wilt. Yeah, Waller, you know, he got his big deal, I think, on game day or the day before he signed the, the, the contract extension. But, listen, I still don't worry about the Raiders. I'm much more bullish on them than you are, obviously. I think you had them finishing last, and I had them finishing first. Um, mostly due to the fact that I just don't trust Brandon Staley. But from a skills position standpoint, and obviously the quarterback, man, when the Chargers look good, they look like they could beat anybody in this league. Absolutely. Chargers lose Keenan Allen, at least for this week, due to a hamstring. But the way uh, Justin Herbert's playing, honestly, you could just put Joe Schmo out there and he'll probably get him you know, five catches for 60 yards. It's it's unbelievable the way this guy is seeing the field. Him and the guy good. we're going to talk about next, Patrick Mahomes. They put number 10 on that new guy. I forgot his name. Um, and he looks just like Tyreek Hill out there, a little bit shorter of a guy. Patrick Mahomes might not have known the difference. Maybe they did that for him, so he still thinks he has Tyreek Hill. doesn't matter. <laughs> Spreads the ball around. Unbelievable. Clyde Edwards-Alaire somehow getting goal line touches. Travis Kelsey does what he does. We don't even have to talk about the Chiefs' defense because, honestly, if the defense didn't even get off the bus, I still think the Chiefs would have had a good chance, even with the um, Arizona Cardinals playing against air. Just that's the way Patrick Mahomes is playing. On the other side of the ball for me, Cardinals, they looked like it was week three of the preseason. Dog shit. They were bad. Um, and, you know, I wasn't surprised by that. I didn't expect this game to be close. But Brian Rosillo led his Monday pod off this week with talking about why do we doubt or question whatever word he used, Patrick Mahomes. And it's so true. Like, 
Why? We we automatically. I never think did. We have. I know you. I know. But you know, we speaking generally, like, oh, Tyreek Hill leaves and Kelsey's getting older, and do they have much of a running game? It's like you have Patrick fucking Mahomes. But this guy, when he's healthy, and I still don't think he was when they lost to Cincinnati last year. He was concussed or some shit. Because when you see him have a game like he did yesterday or on Sunday, rather, you're just not you. There is there is nobody better. Whether it's Herbert or Rogers or whomever, Josh Allen, it's fucking Patrick Mahomes' world, and we're all just living in it. And it was great to see them just take take the air out of that building from the get go with that touchdown to Kelsey. And Tom, this Cardinal team, I know they put up what was it here, twenty one points. A lot of it was garbage time. Kyler Murray doesn't do it for me. I think we're staring at Cliff Kingsbury being let go by no later than we date. I'm right there with you. Might be first coach fired after after Riverboat Ron went ahead and got that win in uh, Washington. I I think this Cardinals team sucks. DeAndre Hopkins, I know he's a great wide receiver. He can't matter this much. But, again, they played the best team. We have to see him, probably the best team in the NFL. We have to see him this week. There is a game on this list that, or not on this list, that I'm, I'm trying to remember here. Um I don't remember the exact score, but Minnesota kicked the shit out of the Packers. Yeah, they really did. Um, I think it was twenty-three to ten. And you know, when I look at Rodgers, good pick you know, by me, baby. Melting down, great pick by you. Melting down, and hey, Kirk Cousins, primetime Fox game. We got Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson, their first number one announcing booth for Fox. Yeah, they were. You muted. Know, this was not. A, this was not a one o'clock. <laughs> this was not a one o'clock. Nobody's watching game, and Cousins showed out primarily because he has Justin Jefferson, and what Justin Jefferson did to that Packers defense was honestly criminal. I think he could have had like four hundred yards receiving if they really wanted to. Telling you, man, I called it in the preview. He's going for two K this year. That team looked incredible, and that defense looked really fucking good. And that Packers team, man, I hope Alan Lazard can figure it the fuck out this week with his ankle because Rodgers was not happy with that wide receiver core. Especially, I don't remember the guy's name that dropped that long, wide open deep ball. But shit, I mean, honestly, I might have started looking for flights out of Green Bay when that plane landed if I was him. I am not going to panic or worry too no. much. We've seen this on Especially a couple of occasions. Especially because the NFC sucks. Yeah, and as recently as last year, I mean, Jameis Winston absolutely lit them up, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that like a 38-14 to 14 game or something? Like, Yeah, and then he tore his ACL, got, right? Winston. Uh, a couple of weeks later. I think, he made, I think he played five weeks. But in any event, you know, you got the Packers. They're, they're going to be home Sunday night against the Bears. That's literally... Get right game. Yeah. <laughs> I own you. I still fucking own you. Remember Rodgers doing that last year? I expect them to get right. And maybe they won't play a perfect game, but they should win Sunday against the Bears. And, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. There's just not a lot of talent, at least as of yet, with this wide receiving court that that Aaron Rodgers has. But he's Aaron Rodgers, and I I know better than to doubt him. Well, at least in the regular season, right? Little shot yeah. there, Adam. He's welcome on the pod to come talk about it. We can talk about. No, he's not. I, I'm not listening to Aaron Rodgers do any more podcasts. Uh, I just want to talk to him about ayahuasca a little bit, just a bit. Well, you you can smidge. listen to him on any other podcast. I want to talk to him. I demand the man. It was. It is painful to listen to him. Talk I'll do about peyote with him. Journey. How about that? <laughs> and then we'll record it. Maybe you need maybe you need a spiritual journey yourself, and he could <laughs> he could help direct you. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, Sunday night football, Bucks. I mean, this game sucked. You already heard uh, me talk back, about it. I went to bed. Yeah. I went to bed right in the third quarter. <laughs> which, which honestly, I give you credit. Deja vu. <laughs> I swear to God, there's like at least a month out of the season, four full weeks, where every time I turn the game off, I'm like, why am I wasting? Why am I? Why am I losing an hour of sleep right now? And I just go to bed angry. Yeah, because obviously like, I gambled on that game. Of course you did. Yeah, but like you, you know better. You're like, this game's <laughs> over. This game sucks. I. I'm putting myself through torture watching this. I felt that way too. And you know, did you yeah, watch to the end? No, God, no. I was, I think I was midway through the third too. It was after, um, it was after Tampa kicked yet another field goal, and it was just like, all right, Jesus, here we go. But like, dude, okay, but they put up 19. They're not crisp yet. Godwin got hurt again. This one, I think, was Julio, an ankle though. sprain. But Julio, man, that catch he made down the sideline. And Brady, that is not a 45-year-old's arm throwing a ball like that. Not at all. I mean, I had a catch with my cousin when I was warming him up for the game, and I was like, I don't know how Brady fucking does it. I don't have it at all anymore. I got <laughs> to do some of that. Ice bath <laughs> I got to do some of that TB12 or something. I mean, my my arm's shredded, but still. There's a lot of inflammation in that thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Cowboys, like the defense, I have to say – you know, obviously 19-3, to three, the defense looked really good, but it was kind of like a situation where they they bended as long as they could and then they just broke down. I mean, was that Cowboys... Really what? Was it really good? No, it, it's, it's, more, it's more Parsons. I'm just thinking solely about Parsons right now. He's so fucking good. I'm glad that you clarified that because... Yeah, the Bucks had a tough time punching it in the end zone, and that was because on two straight series, Micah Parsons got through the offensive line and sacked Brady. But I didn't think they played particularly very well at all. I, I felt like the Bucks were able to make play after play when they wanted. They just had a hard time converting in the end zone. But, Tom, obviously we see Dak now with the thumb. He's out six to eight weeks. Jerry said maybe four. Last time I checked, Jerry Jones is not a doctor. Um, but they said they're not going out what? and acquiring another quarterback. So Jerry's not a doctor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, sh- shocking, right? Hmm. I did, I thought he was. Um, yeah, I mean the Jimmy G talks are obviously going to swirl until Dak comes back, unless Cooper Rush, um, I don't know, decides to not be Cooper Rush. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I texted I texted Will about it. We had an at we had a very nice conversation about it. He says he doesn't see anything changing. Um, he thinks that he said, look at their skill positions. They let a lot of players go. He just doesn't see it happening. Um, but honestly, even, even when, before Dak got hurt, I was fucking disappointed in this team. I mean, I didn't see enough of Tony Pollard. Zeke looked better than he did last year just because he wasn't hurt. But like fucking CD lamb doesn't look like a number one. He's no Justin Jefferson. He can't get open. He can't create separation. The only reason why that was happening last year was because Gallup and, and, Cooper were hogging all the good cornerbacks. I mean, the only guy that on this offense that I think looked any but any bit good was Dalton Schultz, and he's only good for like eight yard completions. He's not like a fucking take the top off the defense kind of guy. This offense, even with a healthy um, Dak Prescott, I mean, honestly, I'm looking at it now. They're not even pre Dak and hurt. They ain't making the fucking playoffs. No, the offensive line's terrible. And, yeah, you know, I mean, Zach Martin yeah. is the only guy left. 
this is what you get when you pay a running back as much money as they're paying Zeke. You can't pay other guys. You know? uh, I can't, you can't wait till afford... the Giants do it. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going to. <laughs> I think Dable has no problem running Barkley into the ground, hopefully for an MVP season uh, based off week one. But, no, honestly, <laughs> like, you just can't – you just can't do it because Cedric Wilson's gone, and and obviously uh, Gallup is hurt, and you know there's no there's nowhere else to go other than C.D. Lamb, and they were trying to. He had some drops. Uh, Collinsworth was on him a little bit. Uh, who, by the way, should not have been doing that game. He sounded awful. I had to put the game on mute after like three long. games. Didn't Dude, he? I'm like he has no voice. Uh, it was his second in like four days. Yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know why they they. Don't you have anybody else? I mean, come on. You're a fucking... It's NBC. I know. I know I at one just... point in my life I did work for NBC's parent company. They could have They could have made a phone call. I would have picked up. I mean, well, listen. You're the CEO and, and <laughs> co-host of a very successful podcast. I could say, you know... You know, well, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. You could do the slide in there. Like, come on. They, they're not even... You know, well, I got to tell you. That's Michael yeah. Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy... Um, <laughs> But yeah, man. I mean, honestly, this Cowboy team is not good. And when you when you're paying your running back as much money as they're paying him, and you're paying obviously Dak, who I believe deserved that contract. I mean, he's a franchise quarterback. Whether you like it, him to be better or not, like he is what he is. But he's a franchise guy. Your your offensive line, you can't pay some of those players. You, you can't pay the receivers. And and Tom, you know. With Cooper Rush, I don't expect him to be anything good. And now all of a sudden, you're talking about the Giants stealing that game in Tennessee. You got the Eagles, who I think are the cream of the crop of this division. Washington doesn't suck. I mean, the Cowboys in a couple of weeks could be – they could be several games behind even the third-place team. Yeah, let me uh, – I had to I had to back out here uh, of the spreads because I have to see – what Will Smith said to me, if you'd like me to read it to you live on air. Oh, I would love to. The audience needs it. I need it. Uh, <laughs> I think I said, I'm telling you what after, with what after watching uh, NFC week one, your Kirk Cousins Vikings Super Bowl pick doesn't look too crazy. He said, yep. And the Cowboys starting off the season 8-0 doesn't seem crazy either. <laughs> Or 0-8, excuse me, 0-8. I'm sorry I was about gonna that. Say, I, know, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. No, it doesn't sound crazy at all. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about the Giants' schedule, right? Like, okay, they steal that game in Tennessee. They're, they're hosting Carolina, winnable game. And then that Monday night game in a couple of weeks, in week three, in this Meadowlands, I'm like, oh, well, they're going to lose that game for sure. Now I'm like, oh, it's Cooper Rush. Who knows? This is cute. I can't wait for your heart to get broken. Um my heart's not going to be broken, Tom. There's there's not much of a heart there <laughs> for what the Giants have put me through over the last several years. But That's listen, true. It's, it, it's it's conceivable. It, it absolutely, it's more than conceivable. It's it's probable at this point, if anything. Um, all right, final game. Uh, I I feel like uh, I feel like you could have seen this one coming from. Um, a hundred million miles away. The Seahawks beat the Broncos seventeen to sixteen. Two fumbles at the goal line. I mean, this was the football gods telling Russ, "Not today." You know, there's obviously those plays that are terrible, and Gino had a perfect passer rating, and I'm happy for him. Gino. I- 
I don't know how you feel about him being your former Jet quarterback, but I was happy. I love Dion. What did he say? He said they they wrote me off, but I ain't right back. That's yeah, the problem. It was an all-time quote. You know he rehearsed that a lot. Um, but this is why when we do our picks and our preview, it's not only about talent. Nathaniel Hackett is a rookie head coach, which why are you bring him in when you're bringing in Russell Wilson? Hackett. <laughs> Talk about so, a Hackett job of a fucking week one. Oh, Get it? Brutal. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that pun's been running around there. but I Has like it? it. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought I thought of that one. Honestly, I hadn't heard it. I was like, this is a good one. I thought of it in my van where I think of everything. And <laughs> I'm, I said, not, I'm, I'm not going to take it away from gonna you. I'm going to hit Sean good... with this one. <laughs> you were ready. You uh, you rehearsed just like Gino did. But um, <laughs> listen, dude, honestly, like it, sometimes talent in this league is not enough. You need a good head coach. I mean, we make fun of the Cowboys all the time, right? Because they went from Wade Phillips to Jason Garrett, now to Mike McCarthy, like. Brandon Staley cost the Chargers games last year. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? I didn't watch the Manny cast. I had Buck and Aikman on, but I watched all the highlights of Peyton literally 62 times saying timeout, E, right? They're calling the timeout, right? They're calling the timeout. You bleed the clock down so you, on fourth and five, can ignore the quarterback that you gave $213 million to, gave up your future for, who's done this how many times in this stadium so you can kick a 64-yarder with Brandon McManus, who is one of eight in his career for field goals over 60 yards? Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Maybe he just wanted to set expectations. He just didn't want to get off to too hot of a start, and he just wanted to say, hey, this is what could happen, guys. I was only kidding week one. It It was a joke. Well, he treated it like it was, and then he walked it back the next day saying, yeah, you know, in hindsight, we probably should have went for it. It's like, yeah, no shit. Probably. If you you have Drew Locke, I get it. No knock on Drew Locke. I'm sorry, buddy, but, like, you have Russell Wilson. Fucking go for it. Unlike Brian Dable, he played to not lose, and it cost him. 100%. The slander for my guy, Brandon Staley, he is going to make you eat your words this year. I pray to God. Well, you know, he was supposed to be the change from, uh, from what's his name? Who was the head coach before? Anthony Lynn. Thank you. Yeah. I kept wanting to say Lindsay Frazier, but I knew that wasn't right. Um, and you know, you're look at you with names by the way, but (laughs) thanks. Yeah. Like I was hoping he was going to change the course and last year he did not, maybe he'll learn. And and I'm, and I'm hopeful because I'd love to see, Justin Herbert, you know, justify his performances with some wins thanks to his head coach. But yeah, man, so far Daniel Hackett, oof, that was that was a really rough debut. No doubt about it. Honestly, it was nothing sweeter seeing Russ win, or excuse me, seeing Russ lose. I he just pisses me off beyond belief. He's not welcome on the pod. Rogers, come on, on buddy. <laughs> you know what's funny about Wilson is like, you know, there's so many quarterbacks. We're in the year after Watson, during Watson, right? We've seen some really bad quarterbacks, bad character flaws, and terrible you know, question marks about their character and their, their ability to lead and all that. Wilson's not any of those things. He's a great guy. He's, He's just, just fucking so annoying. Weird and quick and quirky and annoying. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, um, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Wilson and Watson in the same category. I mean, if you I had to pick between can't. the two, Russ, come on on the pod. But 
I, I, I just find him to be so played out and annoying and just like the shut- Mr. Unlimited thing. And he's always like, what did he used to say? Go was it go Hawks or something after every statement? What's it now? Yeah, Let's ride or yeah. some shit. Yeah, what's ride or we ride something like that. How did he pull Ciara? Just explain it to me, man. What's that? How did he pull Ciara? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Ciara had to obviously be looking for something, and he has it. Uh, future, future. I, I think she wanted that corny ass dude because I mean she had future before that. We all know he's a certified G. So she just wanted the opposite end of the spectrum. So she got it. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, you ready to do some picks? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, let's recap last week. Both of us had the Jets, uh, excuse me, Baltimore minus seven. That cashed. Giants plus five and a half. We both had that. That hit. I had Minnesota plus one and a half. That was an easy one. That hit. You had KC minus six. That was another easy one. That hit. I had Niners in the storm of the century, people were saying. Uh, <laughs> minus seven in a monsoon. That one did not hit. If I had known it was going to be a monsoon, it may have made me stay away. Who the hell knows? And then you had Philly minus four. That looked good Bastards. for, I don't know, three and three quarters of the game. Um, the whole game. Yep. And then they ended up, uh, I went to check on Sunday night, and I gave a little fist pump. Because uh, they only won by three, so we both lost one game there. Sperm Bank pick of the week did not hit. But, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you saved a little bit of money or made a little money off baseball this week, and we can, more like gentlemen, can get to the Sperm Bank and, and donate because this week it's Are you going to pull a Robert Sala and say you're keeping the receipts? I'm keeping the fucking receipts, okay? <laughs> I am. I absolutely am. We're both 3-1 and one leading into week two. Sean, I was already honest with you. Uh, with the Giants pick, which we'll go with uh, for number two. Uh, first one, we'll lead off with the Jets. They are facing the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. The Browns are favored by six and a half, less than a touchdown. What do you think? Oh, I think Cleveland. I'm taking Cleveland in this game. I am boring, but agreeing with you. I have Cleveland minus six and a half. I just think this defense alone is going to be able to. I mean, honestly, they should just have the stretcher parked right next to, to Joe Flacco's <laughs> spot on the bench. That's not right, but it might be true. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, after seeing what I saw from the Jets last weekend, and, you know, it's not going to get any better facing the Browns. And, listen, this is a game the Browns on their schedule when knowing they're going to not have Watson for the first 11 weeks. They circled on their schedule and said, you better win this game. There's nothing about the Jets that I saw – and there's nothing about Robert Sala's comments that make me think anything's going to change. So I'm going to happily take Cleveland here. No doubt about it. All right, Giants are at home for their first home game of the season. They are facing the Baker Mayfield. Sean's hated with vitriol. Baker Mayfield-led Panthers. They are favored by one and a half points. Sean? I don't like it at all. I don't like the fact that the Giants are favored. I would like them to be underdogs, uh, knowing that if Bullock makes that kick, that they are probably – it might be a pick em. Um But they are at home, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it is. Yes, I'm, I'm taking my Giants. Why not? They played well against the Titans. I don't think the Panthers are particularly good. They beat the Panthers last year in the Meadowlands for one of their few wins. I know that was Sam Darnold, but – 
hey, why not? I painted that rosy picture for you of what the Giants potentially could be now with with some schedule uh, issues for other teams early in the season. Go go at least cover this game and win it. Well, that that would mean that they'd have to win. Um, yeah, Sean, I'm I'm I told you I don't know about this game. I'm actually glad you went that way because I'm talking myself into the Panthers. Here's the thing. I understand the Giants are at home, but I think last Sunday was, aside from some sloppy play out of Danny Dimes, your best player played his best game since 2018, most likely. So I guess you could say it was pretty close to best-case scenario because I don't think Danny Dimes is going to play much better than that. Honestly, I think there's a lot left in the tank for the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers' two best players and Matt Rule said this in the post-game press conference, did not touch the ball nearly enough, that being DJ Moore and obviously Christian McCaffrey. I think that adjustment is going to be made, and that alone is going to be able to get the Panthers to win on the road. I like that you're going against me. We're not boring with the locals this week. No, yeah, I said to you on the pod, I'm going to be honest, I can't pick this game, so I'm just going to go against you on it, try and get a little bit of disparity here. All right, Sean, give me your first out-of-market game. All right, I'm giving them another chance. The Rams are favored by 10.5 at home against the Atlanta Falcons, who I have sworn off so many times, but a lot of that did have to do with Matt Ryan. Uh, And even though we recapped, basically it was the same game, just a different quarterback for the Falcons last week. Listen, the Rams, they got punched in the mouth opening night. All eyes on them. The, The Bills went in there and killed them. I expect the Rams to... Absolutely turn up the heat in this game. They're home again, and I don't think the Falcons are very good, even though I said they might be frisky. Ten and a half, I know, is a Zoftic number, but I think the Rams pour it on. I mean, McVay's going to make some adjustments. Stafford's going to throw the ball over the yard. That defense should fly around a little bit and go get this game by ten and a half. When you first said it, I hated it, but after thinking about it, I love it. Good pick. Thank you. First game for me. Tough not to make this a sperm bank, but I like a different game better. I have the... Let me see if I can find the fucking spread here. I got the Packers. Mm -hmm. Minus nine in Green Bay. Listen, first of all, I think Alan Lazard's going to come back. And I know that's not like saying fucking Devontae Adams is going to switch jerseys again, but at least he's a serviceable wide receiver. Not to mention Bakhtiari and another lineman are coming back, and Rodgers was under siege the entire game last week. And he was also playing Minnesota, which is a much better team. The Packers still have a very formidable defense, and I think that they're going to be able to hold the Bears probably to 13 points tops. I think the Packers are going to score in the high 20s low 30s give me the Packers minus nine in this game well you and I are going to have a lot about this game because even though I'm going to stay away from it for our four picks that will be my survivor to see if I can get advanced to week three so that'd be big for you it'd be huge for me Uh, I'm already (laughs) playing with house money in week two here Uh, but I'm going to go a different game and Tom I unless I read this wrong I think I read it right but is Dallas really a two-point favorite at home against the Cincinnati Bengals? Yes, I saw that one, and oh, okay. I I love my sperm bank pick, but I was so close to changing it. I'm just, you want to just put the Bengals in for you, favored, or, or uh, underdogs on the road? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Give me the Bengals in this game. It's not even close. I mean, I was, I was going Packers all the way, but I'm kind of glad I switched games, so you and I are not going to be tied to yet another, another common pick this week. But how in the fuck is a Cooper Rush-led Dallas team 
who put up three points with Dak Prescott in week one, a two-point favorite. It's not like the Bengals lost by four. You want to know why, Sean? And I'm sorry to cut you off here. That Twitter picture might have been put out before the Dak Prescott news was put out. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let you have it because I gave it to you. But I'm going to tell you the live spread right now off Uh of FanDuel. It's just so hard to find a single picture of these fucking spreads nowadays. nowadays, And I don't feel like having to make you go through a screen recording of every single game on FanDuel. Because you probably, I would get dizzy from that. I could look it up. I mean, if we want to change. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ, Sean. You want to guess the spread now? Uh Bengals as a six and a half point favorite. Seven and a half. Fuck. That <laughs> makes so much more sense. So you know what? I am not going to pick this game because that's not right. Uh, oh, what a guy. That's not, not going to align with it. So I will tie my survivor pick and yours with the Packers at home. That's fair. Spread against the Bears. Because that I, was my other game. I, I, love, I love that game. I really do. I would be I would be utterly shocked if the Packers don't win by du- double digits. I really would. Me too. Or at least just fucking win. <laughs> All right. So that's your four picks. I appreciate you being a, a man of honor there. Um, I'm gonna have to get better about finding these lines online. I looked for fucking probably 25 minutes last time and tried to use the if same thing. If we agree thing. on a common site, then I'll just know to look it up prior to our Wednesday pod and you do well, the that's, same and then we'll come that's together. The, that's the other shitty part about you living in Texas is that like I would just <laughs> tell you to open up the fucking FanDuel app but I don't even know if you could even have access to the lines there. Uh, no, you do. You just you just can't you bet can't on bet. Them. Yeah. Because mm. right. I, I use FanDuel for like the NBA over-unders and, and you know the favorites All there. Alright, so all let's that. just use FanDuel from now on, Poppy. Let's do it. Alright, cool. Because at least that's up to date. I knew that was a little yeah. wonky. I was like, Cooper Rush getting a lot too. of love there, huh? <laughs> yeah, or, you know, they must have acted like the Bengals, you know, that they should have lost by 40. Yeah. All right, final game here for me. Sperm Bank pick of the week. You heard it here first. I'm keeping their fucking receipts. <laughs> this game, Sean, I'm going off the spreads we have, which should be pretty up to date just because nobody died or anything. Um, I got the Bills. Mm-hmm. You know how much I hate Tennessee, and the Bills are at home. Bills yep. are minus nine. Give me the Bills. That's all I got to say. All right. I mean, honestly, uh, do you even think if the Bills go up by 10 points, I can't even see the Titans being able to score 10 no. points. No, I mean they couldn't score against the Giants. Yeah, exactly. Now that that's my point, and I think honestly the Bills, I could just see it right now. They get off to a quick fourteen nothing lead, and every time that the Titans either score a touchdown or kick a field goal, it's like they can't chase down more than fourteen. No, because we know their offense. It's not a quick hitting offense. They have to play with a lead, or else you know they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, and I just. Tannehill, we said it before, he's not a guy that's going to carry a team. He's a guy that everything's got to be put around him. Legitimately, Hilliard, I guess, had a really good week, um, and and Robert Woods, and that's it. And that's not enough for me. I'm sorry. It shouldn't be. I really like that pick. Bill's Mafia is going to be in full force. 
No doubt about it, especially at home. As early in the year, too, that would be a nice game to get out to. Oh, yeah, because it's not zero degrees. Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, you got anything else for me, man? No, nah, man, that's basically it. The last of the weddings for me this year is this week, uh, but at least it's here in Austin. And oh, nice. So that's Friday. Sleep in your own bed. Nice. Yeah, that'll be that'll be all, and then – you know, back for back for watching some football this weekend and see what else is going on. How about you? Well, not much. Just running around, taking care of everybody's fucking animals, bouncing between, you know, Putnam County and here, which is a pain in the ass out in Long Island. I was actually in Princeton, New Jersey yesterday, so I went ahead Ooh. and uh, took a look at the campus of uh, the school. Loves love infrastructure, love colleges. Knocked another Ivy League off my list. Some could say uh, my coworker said you fit in here. You probably should have applied. You know, I don't know. People are just saying that. Somebody asked me where a certain hall was. I guess they thought I went there. I I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that Westcon, <laughs> that Westcon uh, education really would have transferred over. Uh, yeah, I, sh- I probably should have applied, but or the Putnam County education. They probably would have looked at where you. Hey, grew up hey, hey! No. Went to high school no. in Westchester, brother. Went to high school in Westchester. Keep it. Yeah, keep I, I want to see that. I want to see that city line. <laughs> well, you got anything else going on, man? That's it. Just the wedding. Yeah, just the wedding, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to getting back into routine and. And not having so many other things going on in terms of like you got to be here on this day or whatever. But I know you have a trip for your birthday coming up pretty soon too. So I do. Quick trip down to Hilton Head, um, and then uh, I, I think that should be it. But to be honest, I, I don't. I never know anymore. I mean, as an engaged man, you, you're just doing you're just doing what Michaela tells you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was before that too, but now I'm definitely True. just doing what I'm told. Yeah, don't worry. It's only you know the rest of your life. Wow, I'll, I'll, that'll give me Which something is to great. sleep. You really <laughs> give me something to sleep on here at eleven uh, forty-two. Thanks for that, Sean. Oh come on, you signed up for it. <laughs> it's a great thing. I I'm definitely did. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Engagement uh, engagement party invites are going out soon. I'm trying to find a fucking five by six envelope. I was in Staples today, asking everybody <laughs> under the sun. This is not my thing. This should be. Shouldn't be. It's, I, I should. I, I sound like that guy Andrew Tate. Um, and I'm not saying it Very should be her thing. I'm gonna walk that one back. But she's better at this thing. I I, I can't believe how hard it is to find the proper size envelope. You know, like just being around people get married, and like now my brother's going through his process, and it's like all these little things that you just take for granted, and you're like, oh yeah, that'll be easy. I'm like. That makes sense. Like, yeah, I yeah. just have to do that. Everybody's but, like, no, this is so fucking hard. Like, all these things are not easy to do. But here's the other thing that I, I don't know if I noticed this with some of my buddies getting married or whatever. It's like every time that I think, oh, we're going to take the easy way out or we're going to go the cheap way. Like, this is for our fucking engagement party, which when we yeah. first discussed, this is not the wedding. When no. we first discussed it. It was, we're just going to send out evites. Like, who fucking cares? We'll just make a nice little evite. You would have gotten one too, even though I know you can't come. Totally understand. Yeah, I appreciate just it. expect you to be there at the wedding. Whatever. You know I will be. Of course. Evites, right? Just email invites if anybody doesn't know what a fucking evite is. Then the next thing you know, I, I probably, maybe a day later, I walk in and she's fucking designing invitations. 
paper mm. invitations. And I'm like, what happened to Eva? Oh, none of them had good, good fucking, like, they didn't look good. Okay, so now I, I, I can see the road that this is going down. And oh, this is just the beginning for you. Absolutely. This is the tip of the iceberg. And I'm just throwing my hands up because, you know what? It's a, it's a lot easier to just be along for the ride than just try and run in the opposite direction. You know what I mean? There, there has been one common denominator from all my friends who have gotten married over the last year, year and a half. And it's been, you know, hey, Rob, how's the wedding plan going? Oh, Skyward's doing everything. Oh, Christian, uh, do you need anything uh, taken care of? Oh, you'll have to ask Maddie. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, uh, Connor, my brother. Um, what's going on? Are you are you happy with everything? Is everything coming together? Oh, yeah, uh, I think Casey's doing everything. So that's just it. So you just got to <laughs> fall in line. Yeah, I mean, and then, but the thing is, the they get pissed because you're not doing anything, and it's like every fucking suggestion. Uh, Michaela, maybe Michaela's different. Maybe that's why I love her. She wants me to be involved, but I mean, if it, it let me tell you, if it was up to me, you'd be getting an e invite. I'm sorry. I I think that what they like to do is play off like, oh, he doesn't do anything. It's all me. When in reality, that's all they want anyway. Hey man, are we gonna get? Are we gonna turn into? Uh, are we gonna t- are we interviewing for Barstool right now, or or the, the Nelk Boys or something? <laughs> we're just gonna bash women because uh, I might have to walk this one back before Michaela kicks my ass when how, she comes how back. How is that bashing? If that's been all that I've acknowledged. For that is that is podcasts. absolutely the truth. I tell Michaela I'm gonna write a book all the all the time. It's. It's just I'm sorry. I mean, if, if anybody wants to pick out one misogynistic thing that we've ever said over the course of our pod, please feel free. <laughs> You'll be listening for a long time because they don't exist. Eh. No. No, no, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's it's. Sometimes I'm just like I I I think she just wants just to have a talking point to complain about me. Yeah, probably. As I'm slaving over my two cats. <laughs> I'm walking her. I'm walking her dog and her and her. Well, I didn't walk the cats, but I took care of them. Uh, you know what you sound like? What? The guy who's engaged. <laughs> that I am, my friend. That I am. It's all good, man. And listen, I can't wait for your wedding. Uh, I'm interested to see how involved you want me to be. Um, and as you well know, please feel no pressure to involve me in anything more than an invitation. Uh, but we'll see what your what your plans are. Yeah. Um, well, bachelor party and stuff obviously um, has to be planned by me, not Michaela. So that might be not even planned by me, but I'll probably have some input. Um, yeah. Flying by the seat of my pants on that one. There'll be golf involved. That's all I know. Of course there will be. I'm I'm planning or I'm starting planning my brothers. And uh, you know the good thing for him is you know he's like I was like what do you want like. Are you, are you trying to go somewhere? Like, is it, he's like, listen, I've lived a very degenerate life. I'm looking forward to just getting drunk with my boys and maybe playing around in golf. I was like, well, you're making this very easy for me. So I appreciate that. A little too easy. You, you picked a destination. I think we're going to be doing like somewhere in the Hudson Valley or in like New Hampshire or something next May. Um, 
he just wants to like be out in the country and just do new big Airbnb. And, yeah, I've thought about it. I actually, my uh, my aunt and uncle right now who used to live in Norwalk are renting in New Paltz and they really like it. And he's like, yeah, like if we if it's somewhere near a golf course, it can be. It doesn't have to be. I just really want it to be secluded and just play drinking games and yard games. I'm like, that sounds awesome. It's a cool. good golf course up there too on an apple orchard. <sighs> I want to call. I want to say it's called Apple Greens. Not that expensive. Nice spot. Easy course too. It's wide open. I'll be playing some golf next year. Sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I'm just giving you suggestions here. You know, you don't want to go to a fucking course that's going to kick the shit out of everybody. No, God, no, absolutely not. So I if appreciate you go to New Paltz, I mean, that's that's the spot to go. It's right. It's like ten minutes from the school. Not that you're going to be at the school, but. You know, and then they got a nice little strip. There's like two or three bars there. What the hell else do you need? No, I've heard it's a nice. I've heard it's a nice town. What do you want to do? Have you have you given thought to it? Oh yeah, I've already dropped hints to the boys. I'm uh, the real one. What I really want to do is go to the waste management open <laughs> in Phoenix. Play some golf there because it's in uh, February or March, I believe. So it'll be cold. Yeah, it's here. like right around. The, it's the week before the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, or the week so of the Super Bowl. I, I, yeah, it's in February. Um, I would, I would, I mean, my wedding's not going to be till twenty twenty four because the Super Bowl's in Arizona this year, so it wouldn't be happening if it was in twenty twenty three. But my wedding's not till twenty twenty four. Um, so we have a little more time, and hopefully, the Super Bowl's not in Arizona twice. Um, but yeah, that would be the ultimate dream is to go to the waste management one day of the one day of the tournament. And just get absolutely fucking shit housed, and then the rest of the time just chill out and play golf. Let's make it happen. You know, listen, I'm gonna have to play this pod to some to some people. <laughs> I know you're well. At least you're getting it out early, so we'll see. Yes, sir. I'll probably just end up at like fucking Atlantic City and kill myself. Uh, hopefully that not. That's great. My friends are just not great planners. I'm usually the planner. That's the problem. Yeah, maybe you'll have to take over your own bachelor party. It's probably been done before. Yeah, I'm sure it has. All, All right. right, bro. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to a full episode of Sorry to Interrupt, and we'll try to do two two episodes next week. But listen, we're busy. It sounds like you've got your, your hands full over there. But um, it was great talking to you, man, and, and look forward to another week of uh, of recapping next week. Yes, sir. Everybody enjoy week two. Sean, be safe at the wedding. And uh, have a good week, everybody. <laughs>